In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Everybody, I'm Chad Bockelman. I'm Mark Marble. I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 304. <laughs> <laughs> May the fourth be with you. <laughs> yeah, close enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we're kind of still there, right? <laughs> yeah. It's in the oh, fourth man. episode, just 304. <laughs> All right. Uh, how are we doing this, Mark? You said you wanted to kick this off a certain way, right? We're, we're, by the way, everybody. I was going to say, you didn't even to say what we were doing, but it's okay. <laughs> you couldn't tell about the Star Wars reference, the album art, and the name of this episode. Know, I'm kidding. <laughs> we're, we're talking The Force Awakens. <laughs> we're talking Ferdinand, people. Come on. <laughs> no, we're, we're not talking The Force Awakens. No. <laughs> Whoops. No, that will be discussed. I like how no. Dan. I like how Dan caught that, but Mark didn't. <laughs> that's because I was too busy saying something else. <laughs> Go on, Dan. That's why you're here. Yeah, yeah. The I Last Jedi. <laughs> the Last Jedi. Or Phantom Menace 2, if one prefers. Uh, oh. oh uh, I don't even get that joke, but oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to begin this in a little – for multiple reasons, not just because – Obviously, this episode is going to have a gazillion spoilers, so if you really don't want any spoilers about The Last Jedi, you probably shouldn't listen to this for another few weeks. But this, I figured this would be a nice way to start because there won't be as many uh, spoilers in this part. Uh, but it's also, um, it was something I was thinking about for a while. Uh, I thought about, and this is not Monday morning quarterbacking because I thought this, this kind of bothered me when they first did Force Awakens, that I think this movie... I think Last Jedi kind of shows, uh, whether, no matter what you think of this movie, it kind of shows an inherent problem with the idea of creating something you know that's a trilogy, but yet having every individual who participates in directing or writing up chapter a chapter have relative free reign. Now, yes, Kathleen Kennedy has ultimate control to say, no, you can do this or you can't. But there was no – basically, there was no cohesive plan from the beginning of this trilogy of this is going to happen, this has to happen, that has to happen. It seems like they were perfectly content with letting 
and this was the original plan clearly, now it's changed, to have all three directors have all have basically write or co-write all three of their scripts and go off in basic any direction they wanted with within certain parameters. And I think and – and that idea always made me nervous because for better or for worse, even if you didn't like everything Lucas did, at least Lucas kind of knew where he wanted these things to go, and, and he fleshed out the treatment. They were always his stories with how much he – you know, depending – his participation in the screenplays or not was kind of irrelevant at some point. It was just the fact that they were his stories and they were his ideas, and he knew the major beats that had to be hit. So, and I'm not saying also that we don't know what Lucas's seven, eight, nine would have been, but at least seven, eight, nine would have had one author, one captain steering the ship. And I think Last Jedi kind of shows that this approach of having people go off and do their own thing. It's kind of a little dangerous because you look at where we left off, where Last Jedi leaves us, and whoever was going to get Episode Nine really got handed a bag of shit. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things that have been taken off the board, and there's no clear-cut direction of what's going to happen in Nine, which has to wrap everything up, other than the things you assume are going to be there, which is Ray versus Kylo somehow again, and somehow the First Order has to be beaten in a way that's believable, which I don't see how that's going to happen. When they they seem to have endless resources, they're they're in a much better position, and, and the resistance is in a much worse position than the than the Empire and the Rebellion were, were respectively at the end of Empire. And yet, we have to believe that they're gonna the ending has to be somehow satisfactory that we believe they're actually beaten for good because we, we saw what happened at the end of Return of the Jedi where you blew up their ultimate weapon, you killed you, you cut off the top two heads of the chicken, and yet they really weren't gone. So I think – and this really binds – I mean, Abrams is probably in the best position to take this over for nine because you would think since he started this, he must have had an idea in his head that how he would have ended it. Though, of course, what Ryan Johnson did in this movie kind of may have slammed a couple of torpedoes into the hull because he may have assumed he would have had a few more characters left to, you know, to use in the final part. But Abrams probably for that reason is in the best shape to try to pull this stuff together and maybe try to give us a decent – Resolution, but the one thing, another reason I wanted to mention this is because while I was never a fan of uh, Trevorrow getting Episode Nine originally, it seems like besides the usual direct criticism of oh he's hard to work with because he's you know he's controlling you know your typical director's criticism, a lot of the infighting or conflict between him and Kathleen Kennedy seemed to be about unlocking the story for Episode Nine because whatever whenever he turned in a story or a script for Episode Nine, she just kept shooting it down. Which on one level, after you see episode eight, makes you wonder, how the what the hell ideas was this guy submitting that Kathleen Kennedy said no about, considering she approved everything Ryan Johnson wanted to do? But on the other hand, it makes you think that maybe it wasn't all Trevorrow's fault, because maybe based on where you knew the story was picking up, it wasn't as easy a story to uncrack, because the last episode nine is the hardest one to write, because it's got to wrap everything up. And yet, seemingly, it, you're left in such a void of where to go. And well, let me – Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. Okay. I was pretty much trailing off. I only have one other thing to say, but go ahead. I'll, go ahead. Well, I, I mean – and this is in the context of, like, I don't keep up with the news behind the production of the movies very much. And I, and so maybe I'm misunderstanding, but I was under the impression that this was not a trilogy. Mm-mm. Like, as, as far as I – as far as I know, they fought, they were taking the approach of of all right. Let's use these two movies and Rogue One and just kind of 
each director just do your thing. And then we got this, uh, we settled on a guy that's going to do our first proper trilogy in this run. So like the job of force awakens and last Jedi were to kind of establish the new status quo by taking pieces off the board, putting new pieces on the board and kind of reshuffling what the state of the Alliance versus the big bad is so that the new trilogy proper can start with episode nine. No, this was always supposed to be a trilogy. Once they started Hmm. with force awakens, it was always supposed to be seven, eight, nine. It was a trilogy. I do agree that, I mean, even though a lot of, obviously this movie, as we're going to talk about, is from a Star Wars fan perspective, is pretty divisive. I mean, it's sitting at 56% on Rotten Tomatoes as far as audience approval. Uh, And that's not the only site that has, that indicates that, you know, the audience is at best mixed about this movie. But, so, the idea that to hand, so, obviously, based on this movie, the idea of handing Ryan Johnson his own trilogy is somewhat shaky, though it's going to be completely independent from the story he's going to tell, so maybe that'll be okay. But that's kind of, but in a way, that's my point. That at least it's like, okay, Ryan Johnson, you get to write and direct your whole trilogy. Well, that's what they should have friggin' done with this. They should have had at least one person steering the ship. You didn't need the same director because the original Star Wars trilogy didn't have the same directors. There were three directors. You just needed to have a vision, and not because in a way, the irony is that even though uh, Abrams, unless something changes is going to direct two of the three movies in this trilogy, Ryan Johnson is probably going to have the biggest imprint on this trilogy because of what he did in this movie. Because of how how that just binds everybody's hands for Episode Nine. Uh, so, it's just... And I'm trying to remember the other thing I was going to... The other point I was going to add uh, going... During my original pr- intro here. But either way, it's just, it just seems... It just seems like they just... This this was not the I don't think this was the best approach to use to just create a trilogy to create a trilogy that you knew was going to be three part. I mean it's different with the standalone movies. You get you get a script if you don't like it or if you don't like the approach. Something was getting out of you know they were going slightly different than expected, like with the Han Solo movie. Okay, you know and Kathleen Kennedy has a lot of control, which is something which will come up in a different part of this thing. Something I want to talk about. But it just seems like you can't you can't do a proper Star Wars trilogy and just let basically everybody just kind of go off in their own direction and not have not have any kind of straightforward vision of what you want. And it seems like, I mean, the ending of Force Awakens was changed on purpose because of where Ryan Johnson wanted to begin this movie. And it just seems like everything he did in this movie on multiple levels, it just so lit. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to limit because obviously if Abrams wants to, he can erase some of the stuff that Ryan Johnson did in this movie, partially. But it just seems like this was kind of like a really odd direction to go in. And it's not surprising, I think, and as we break this down, I think it's not surprising that a lot of fans have issues with a lot of the creative choices and things that we saw and didn't see in in this movie. So that's my that's my not so rambling intro, but I do. I figured that I figured I wanted to start there just because I, I always had a, I did have an issue to, to begin with with how they didn't seem to have a one basic game plan for where the destination was taking you. Not every stop along the way on the journey, but you, they didn't seemingly have a made a complete blueprint of where they wanted to go. And that was something for better or for worse. If they had one person steering the ship, whether it was Lucas or not, at least you would have known that. At least there would have been. The end game would have been in sight all along, so you wouldn't have had these. Oh, we're gonna, 
here's the first major spoiler. We're going to kill off Luke because, which clearly Ryan Johnson made, has made it clear that this was his goal. Not his goal, but he always, but he was planning on killing Luke from the beginning. So, but which, which might have been okay if Carrie Fisher didn't drop dead. So now you're screwed and you literally have none of the original three main characters to be your co-anchor in, with the new characters in the third movie. Unless you kind of bet, make it seem like, unless you counter that and say Luke didn't truly die. Uh, I'm. I mean, you, with these cat with like the original cast members. I mean, they're they're obviously they're getting up there in years. So at a certain point, you have to either just either kill them off or just stop referencing them. So I mean, did it surprise me that Luke died? No. Uh, but at the same time, if he didn't die in this movie, I probably would have expected it in the next movie. Yeah, I would have too. And, probably, and based on the way things shook out, I always thought from a plot perspective it made more sense for him to die in the ninth movie anyway. But now, if, but certainly after everything that happened with Carrie Fisher, because obviously she was being set up to, to play that role that Harrison Ford played in, in Force Awakens and to a lesser extent Mark Hamill played in this issue, in this episode. <laughs> but uh, she was set up to be the one who was going to carry this, no pun intended, the ship into the thir- into the, the third part of the trilogy. But now, based on real-life tragedy, she can't do that. But now, So that really ties the hands. And Ryan Johnson just didn't seem to have a whole lot of interest in any of the returning characters, the the, the old-school characters. I mean, Chewie did pre- pretty much nothing for 90% of the movie. R2 literally did nothing except play the hologram, which was cool, but he did absolutely nothing other than that. 3PO's been useless in two movies, and even Leia got a little more screen time, and I can understand limiting Carrie Fisher because, let's be honest, of the three of them, Carrie Fisher's acting skills seem to have declined considerably compared to Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill. So so her having to carry, um, again, no pun intended, a movie would have been – I don't think that would have been as successful in any way, but we'll never know because we're never going to get to see it. So <laughs> I guess we I guess I guess we should say Mark doesn't like the movie. <laughs> well, I don't, but I, but I was but 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 my basic point was just talking about the overall you know the, again how I didn't like the, the, their their approach to the trilogy. Yeah, there's lots of things about this movie I don't like, and there are things that I do. That's why, as we kind of talked about before, besides the list you have, which is cool to bring things up. There are lots of things to talk about with this movie, but no, I knew all this. I knew all the spoilers for this movie before I went to go see it, and I'm glad that I did because I think it would have. I would have disliked it even more if I if everything happened that did happen and I didn't know it was coming. Now that's interesting. That's very interesting. The, um, first, I'll say I do agree with you that it is, at the very least, problematic as a middle chapter of a trilogy. I think some of my my uh, some of my perspective on it was based on my my misinformation that it was a part a, basically a part two of two that was going to then be the launching pad for other things. Uh, that said, I did I did more or less like this movie, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that I knew nothing going in because this movie like. It was very interested in catching the audience off guard, and and like some of it was like in like the 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 quote unquote cheap way of of oh we're gonna kill this character no we're not oh we're gonna kill like 
Luke dying. I went into this movie thinking Luke would die. And then when they pulled that punch, I was like, oh, they got me. And then two minutes later, they killed him for real. I'm like, oh, Jesus, you guys. But I think, but yeah, no, I just think that's like an interesting dividing line because you knew everything going in and didn't like it. Whereas I knew nothing going in and did like it. And I wonder if that would have made a difference in your experience, in both of our experiences, if it, that was flipped. I mean, it could have. Uh, historically, I've, and I've, I've talked about this before, Force Awakens, I wasn't in a position to because maybe only because I was doing the marathon for Force Awakens. So I literally, from like late Wednesday night through almost early Friday morning by the time I got back home. I'm not gonna, I I didn't get a chance. I mean, I, I, I had my phone, so I really could have. I if I really cared, like during breaks, I could have actually been looking for spoilers. But since they delayed the release of the book even last year, even the Kindle version until like 12:01 on the day that uh, Force Awakens came out, that I didn't read. But before, that's the only Star Wars movie since Empire that I actually didn't read the book for ahead of time. So I've seen every Star Wars movie except except the original and Force Awakens. I already knew what was going to happen. So that's so that's so from my from from my mo that just that's normal for me. No, trying to know what what's going what's going on and and I guess maybe because all the reviews were so positive in a way it made me a little because because Chad and I talked about this before that last trailer for the Last Jedi didn't do anything for me and I even said I have a, I'm a, no pun intended it's like I have a I have a bad feeling about this that <laughs> that uh. That this was just not going to be my trilogy. That the way some people thought of the, the prequels, that was how I was going to end up feeling about this trilogy. And speaking of that one line, in a way this sums up everything. And you, I hate to say it, but this kind of sums up Ryan Johnson. I think his approach to this because if you if you watched for, if you watched uh, the Last Jedi and you're waiting for that moment when one of those characters says, "I have a bad feeling about this," and you go, "Hey, we didn't get that in that movie in this movie," but supposedly you did because one of the I think that camel face alien pilot of the, of the Alliance said it, but of course, Ryan Johnson is too good to even give us subtitles to know that the guy's saying it. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's such a clever inside joke that you get and no one else does because nobody could possibly get it. <laughs> well, the but, summary for this movie is one of Luke's lines. This is not going to go the way you think. <laughs> yes, that is true. And the question, and the, I guess the ultimate question is, do we think, do we think that was a byproduct of the story Ryan Johnson wanted to tell. Or do you think the story was a byproduct of the fact that that's what Ryan Johnson wanted to accomplish? I mean, I I think that look, I, I've made it known in the past that I am not the biggest Star Wars fan. I it's it's not that I'm not a fan. Like right over next to my on my nightstand right now, I finally found the Star Wars Darth Plagueis novel. So I care about Star Wars. I love Star Wars, and I watch it. But I'm not the rabid fan that, you know, like Ryan Daly or Mark is. Um, but that being said, so, so you know, star fans like Mark uh, here on this particular episode, or if you want to do it so in the feedback, feel free to ream me a new one. But I feel like part of it comes in thinking – that Star Wars has to be about a certain family or something. Now, that's what it's been in the past, but I kind of like the idea that it just doesn't belong to the Kenobis and the, the Skywalkers of the world. It's, it's, it, the, the Force is its own thing, and it's going to... Like, the whole thing... It, 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 we've already said that this, this episode is going to be spoiler-filled. In a way, I kind of like the kind of double-take of 
who is who are Ray's parents? Nobody. Why yeah. does it have to be? Why does it have to be somebody? I love that. Uh, assuming it's um, true, of course. Assuming it's true, uh, and, and you know, if if uh, since um, Kylo Ren is okay. Kylo Ren certainly would qualify as your as your quintessential example of an unreliable narrator, untrustworthy <laughs> yeah. narrator, and he has a and dog in a fight to steer to make her think she's unimportant too. But, at, at, but now, at the same time, that, that very much felt like a line that was talking to the audience, you know, like, like they had been dangling the carrot on the stick of like, Ray is a Skywalker, you guys, like all for like a movie and a half. And then they just they might as well have turned to the camera and said, my parents were nobody. Yeah. Now, J.J. Abrams can do whatever the hell he wants with number nine within what's her name's prerogative. It doesn't matter. Let's let's eschew that entirely. What happened in this movie happened. Let's take it as fact. Now he can do whatever he wants, but I think that I, I kind of like the idea that now this is my this is my idea because when we came out of the Force Awakens, I had questions and I was like, "What's this? What's this? Well, it could be this. It could be this." I come out of the Last Jedi and I'm like, "Oh shit! This is this this is the way it is." Okay, <laughs> I'm okay with this. There were moments I didn't like, you know, there, there were some pacing moments, particularly towards the end with the whole slow chase thing, uh, through space. That was kind of a moment where I was like, wait, how much longer is this in this movie? Oh, we still haven't gotten to that, you know, speeders with the red dust thing scene yet. (laughs) I guess we still have some time to go on this one. Mm. But again, back to my point, I think the whole point, the, the, the whole problem is thinking that this has to be the Skywalker story. It's not the Skywalker story. It, 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 I guess it could still continue when you consider who Kylo is, but even then, if he he lives much longer, Ugh. we're gonna we're <laughs> gonna have a problem with this. So I think there's a problem in thinking it has to be the Skywalker story. And Mark, one of the things you said I wanted to jump in on, but I wanted to let you have your 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 your, your intro the way you said you wanted to do it. When you mentioned that the the next the, the next movie has to wrap up the Empire, the First Order thing. Why does it? I mean, like, don't, don't get me wrong. It's a movie about good and evil and balance and so on and so forth. We kind of all expect the First Order to lose and something akin to the Republic that we saw in the, the prequels arise. And, you know, something more beneficial to the people. But does it really have to end here? Well, we know that. I mean, we, it, we, it would be nice to see a series that's so much about the importance of balance not end a big story with one side completely getting rid of the other. Well, that's, 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 yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. It's like, there, if you get rid of the First Order, what is the conflict? The First Order can, at the end of our movie, at the end of of Episode 9, rather, the, the First Order can be in the position that, say, the, re- the Rebellion or the Resistance, which we might as well just call them the Rebellion again. Let's, the Rebistance. Uh, the, I mean, yeah, the Rebistance, man. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I did a, a mini fist pump at my, at my, uh, in my seat when, when Finn said Rebel Scum. I was like, all right, we might as well just call it the Rebellion. Why the hell not? The, 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 the First Order at the end of Episode Nine could theoretically not be dead but be something akin to where the Rebellion is at the end of this movie. Why does it have to end? It's going to be... We're we're talking about a bunch of scrappy little fighters (laughs) going up against the... eh, 
well, they, they, they killed the, 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 the resistance supporter planet system. So we might as well say the essentially established government of the universe. So why does it have to end in episode nine? This, I, this is what I kind of like about this movie. It challenges your preconceived notions of why does it have to be this? Why does it have to be this? It doesn't have to be one or the other. Things can be as simple as my parents are nobody. Things can be as simple as Snoke really is dead. <laughs> Does it matter who he is? No, because what mattered was where we have Kylo ascend to. <laughs> we have the, his story is more important in the overall scheme of things than Snoke's story. So let's kill him. Like yeah. I, I, I like I like the idea that you come out of this movie going. Well, that's not what I thought was going to happen, but oh, I guess it makes sense. But but it's a trilogy. Go. But the main fact that it's a trilogy and there's exp- that based on the fact that it's that it's designed to be a trilogy, it means that it has to, it should be self-contained by its, its beginning, a middle, and end. Doesn't mean the entire story can't can, there can't be more down the road. But there has to be some kind of satisfactory ending, or else it's not really a trilogy. It's just dangling out there. And yeah, they could do it. I'm not saying they can do it, but based on overall reaction to this movie, it would be pretty friggin' stupid to go that route. Because th- 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 let's be let's let's be honest that you know this movie's made a crap ton of money. It's probably going to continue to make a crap ton of money. This has been the first this in the post Lucas era. This is the first major stumble for Lucasfilm. The first major stumble from a from a fan reaction perspective. So to follow that up with a let's say an unsatisfying end to this trilogy. Let's say they don't re- let's say yeah the first order lives and Kylo's still around. What the hell's the point of the trilogy then? Other than to just weed out the characters people really loved. <laughs> I mean, I like Rey and all, but they, Rey exactly hasn't really didn't get fleshed out all that much. Her connection to the Force seems greater, but her actual skills that she demonstrated in this movie were not as impressive as they were in Force Awakens. Well, because the guy who was, was supposed to train her didn't want to. I mean, like, Ray, there are a lot of legitimate complaints about this new era of Star Wars, but at the end of the day, no matter what character they came up with to be a new center point for this franchise, was never going to live up to the shadow of Luke Skywalker. Well, like, it, yeah. it doesn't matter who you make or how you make them or who you cast. It's never going to be Luke. It's never going to be the same. And that's going to be enough for a lot of people to go against it. Culturally, you're correct. I mean, because – not that – and mind you, this is interesting because when I talk about Luke later on, I've, ne- I've never been a huge Luke fan. I mean, to me, Luke – to me, Luke – Luke had the cool powers, but he wasn't the cool character from the original trilogy. Han was a lot more interesting and cool a character. Luke just had the special gifts, and obviously had the ties to Vader, which may, was what was driving the story forward. But Luke is a charter member in of of the uh, Karate Kid syndrome, as I call it, which is if the guy's <laughs> really, if he's really so good at what he does, why is everybody else always helping picking him up off the floor? And that's the way Luke was. You think about the number of times somebody had to save Luke's ass in the original trilogy. I mean, it, and, 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 and it. And even at the end, that's when it shouldn't have happened, really. I know why it happened, and Vader fulfilled the, you know, the, the prophecy, so it made sense on that perspective. But but Luke didn't show a whole lot of progress <laughs> in the fact that he was still being saved by somebody else. But so but still, 
Yes, from a cultural perspective, Luke has this. Yeah, he has. You know, he pulls out your heartstrings, and and the way, and the the way his legacy was kind of tainted in a way because of this movie and because of maybe, which I do want to talk to more in detail later. But but I do I do I do agree that it's going to be hard to ever have a protagonist be as as relevant as as Luke. That being said, I liked Ray. And the problem with Ray's parents being nobody, if that actually turns out to be true, which I still have a hard time believing it's true, because we know why Kylo is so powerful. And we do know after seeing the movie that, yes, Luke was referring to Kylo when he said, I only felt this, you know, this, you know, this, somebody this strong in the force or with this power before. And it was and it was Ben Solo. So Ben, it makes sense why he's as strong. If she's just a literal nobody, why would she be inherently as strong to do things that she shouldn't be able to do with any kind of training? Everybody, we all heard everybody label her the Mary Sue, the Mary Sue after Force Awakens, but there still was time to give an explanation for that. This movie did, well, this, did, did well, come nothing on now. about that. How, come on now, though. The, the Skywalkers had to start somewhere yeah, with because, them being because, powerful because in the Anakin Force. Anakin was created by the Force. That's how it started. Yeah, and Anakin was a nobody. But he was created by the Force. That's yeah, why he was with, so strong in it. <laughs> okay, well then let's let's talk about Yoda. Who was Yoda? Okay, let's talk about Mace Windu. Who who is Mace Windu? Where did he come from? Let's talk about all the other Jedi's we've ever had. Right. But okay. No- so 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 it doesn't it doesn't like so so what the, the, that Luke is you know that Anakin was created by the Force. There have been other really powerful Jedi. Like Yoda. Yeah, but look, I'm just, the point was Ray was able to do crap. There was no way she should be able to know how to do without any not, but really no true knowledge of the Force, let alone training. So there, so, so without an the, explanation the, the for the that, it makes somebody. it look like you're the do ex machina, like as you know, like that BB-8 kind of as point became in this movie too. The idea that oh, she can do anything at any time just because oh, it's her. But there's no explanation for it. Well, Snoke said it in the movie. He said he said to Kylo. I knew that when you started becoming powerful, somebody would arise on the light side. Yeah, to I mean, if this it out. if it's supposed to all be about balance, then like the new generation of dark dude gaining strength being counterbalanced by a light dude getting getting just as strong is enough of a justification. Because I mean, at a certain point, you have, we have to step back and realize that. That complaining about the logic of the strengths of someone's magic powers isn't going to get us anywhere. I can see it's, some of that. Okay. And it's it's but. it's and I link and to like just make the Luke Skywalker comparison again, like like that first Star Wars movie, this kid came out of nowhere. He he like waved a lightsaber at a ball for five minutes and then was doing things that everybody thought was impossible. This guy blew up a Death Star with a pea shooter when nobody else thought they could, and, you know, it's okay. <laughs> but but at least he had, like, at least he had, like, five minutes of training when he did that. Ray in the first movie had nothing. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of like the fact that Snoke kind of chewed out Kylo for a second, being like, you know, you really should have killed her on that ice planet, but you're so... you're. So screwed up, yeah, you couldn't you even beat someone. You couldn't even beat someone who never held a lightsaber right. before. Well, <laughs> never mind the fact that Snoke himself said, "Bring the girl to me." <laughs> yeah. The so. <laughs> see, but, and I, I do understand some. I mean, I, I think Dan has a point, but 
when you the thing is when you like let's look let's talk about Snoke. You create a character which is this powerful and, and, and with the Force, the dark side of the Force. We know from background and other things that this guy existed before the rise of the Empire. Somehow he got his hooks into into Kylo. We don't even know how he started getting his hooks into Kylo. You know. At, at a young age, and we don't get any kind of explanation of who the hell he is at all. I mean, that's ha- that's ha- that's really that's. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know the way things work. I'm sure we're gonna get a nice little novel about Snoke <laughs> and giving an explanation for this. But from a from a movie canon perspective, come on, that's 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 garbage. I mean, don't get me wrong. The way the way Kylo played him and took him out was really cool, but. Without getting any back, it just makes his character so useless. I mean, I did expe- I did expect to find out that he was somebody that we would recognize. Like, is he like is he this person but older and disfigured right, or something? Yeah. I mean, that's but just... good. At the same time, I don't think the absence of that revelation makes him useless because he makes him weaker. Though I think does, it makes, I mean, the character, does I think it? it makes him weak. I think it makes him weaker. It makes him less. Li- it makes him less. It makes him less important. Maybe not pointless. It makes him less important because, again, like Ray's parents, he's he's essentially he's he's a strong nobody, but he turns out to be a nobody because he doesn't have a huge role going forward. Did have a huge role in the past, but technically, I guess Ray's parents did too because they made her. If she if she's still a nobody. Hmm. But I think I think that would I think I think that may have been an element of let's just do that because people aren't expecting it because that's another thing Ryan Johnson had has acknowledged he was planning on doing all along was killing Snoke. Um, I mean, I, I look at Snoke kind of the same way I do all of these people where like, you know, the first order is trying to fill the shoes of the empire. Uh, you know, Ray is trying, whether she wants to or not, is trying to fill the shoes of Luke Skywalker. Kylo Ren is trying to be the next Darth Vader. Snoke was, tr- was doing his damnedest to set himself up as the new emperor. And, not all of these people are going to stick. And I think ultimately, like, Snow, like, the idea that Kylo Ren would assassinate Snoke and take his place and try to build up a new order instead of him, I think is more interesting and has more fodder for good storytelling than if we just had another. Empire really with an emperor and an yeah. apprentice. Yeah. Yeah, another creepy old powerful emperor guy who's who's is is Palpatine take two. You know, I like I understand your frustration, Mark. I just think like he had a different role in the story than the one you wanted him to have. Oh, I don't I I don't think I would have cared as much if he got killed if he at least would have known kind of like who he was more or where he came from. I think – I do think that – and now don't get me wrong. I think one of the things I think this movie got right, and this is one of the things that's funny because too bad Corwin couldn't have been here because I saw his post over the weekend. It's like, oh, I thought, you know, I thought, you know, that Kylo Ren was going to be he- the hero of the story, and I'm thinking to myself, that's a story I don't want to read if Kylo Ren's the hero of it. <laughs> but it's like I do like the fact that instead of going down the road to try to redeem a character that is really irredeemable and – Really is, and I don't care what they do in nine. If they try to do some Vader-like bullshit, he's irredeemable. Just like in my opinion, I've always said this. That I thought Vader was irredeemable, even without the prequels. Before them, he's a character that was not going to be redeemed because he already knew the kind of bad crap he did, even before we knew he was hacking hacking up kids at the, in the, in the, at the Jedi Temple. 
So Ky- Kylo is irredeemable. So the idea that they just kind of threw out the fact that, and it just it, they just embraced the fact that he's that, that he was not redeemable and just made him even worse. I kind of like that aspect. That was kind of cool. And well, it also you- kind of, I'm sorry, and it kind of breaks the chain of. And in a way, why he's never probably going to be Vader. At least he did something Vader never did, was stop being a puppet and he took command of the situation because Vader just continued to be a puppet for somebody over and over again. Go ahead, Dan. Well, on the on the subject of his irredeemability, like, do you buy Vader's redemption at the end of of um um um, um oh my God, yeah, Jedi? No, and I did, and I okay. didn't buy it when I was a kid either because because he he had done we already knew he had done bad things from what. What we saw in the background, we got on him. We already knew he he had, you know, he helped hunt down even even before the, the the Luke's father twist. We already knew that he had hunted, and it's true that he had helped hunt down and wipe you know wipe out the Jedi and everything else. We knew he was a bad guy. So, and I never bought the oh I'm gonna spend I'm gonna spend ten ten fifteen minutes with this kid that I that. Up until like a, a year or so ago, I never knew I had. But this is but spending 10 or 15 minutes with a kid that, for the first time in my life, that's going to start bringing me back after I betrayed my order, betrayed my best friend, kind of betrayed my wife, all these things. All of a sudden, that's going to make me, oh, yeah. And then you get to the end, and, and I've always go back to this. After everything that happened in Return of the Jedi, with the Emperor trying to better deal him right in front of his friggin' face, he still has to spend 15 minutes take, moving his head back and forth to decide, should I help my son who's being fried, or should I side with the guy, the guy who ruined my life? And it still takes him forever to make the right decision. Vader was not redeemable. He was an idiot. He was a powerful idiot, but he was a puppet. And that's the one thing, like I said, that's the one thing I do like about Kylo, is that at least Kylo took charge of his situation. As opposed to – and it's not like Vader never had aspirations to defeat the Emperor, but at the end of the day, he was just a lapdog. And he just – and he – and yeah, his, his options were limited after Obi-Wan screwed him up because he was – because being in that suit made him extremely susceptible to Force Lightning, and he was – and his ability to challenge the Emperor was always going to be shaky. But it, but still, Vader was – Vader was a puppet. So I never bought that redemption. The prequels made it even harder to redeem Vader. And, uh-huh. and, and now you look at it. Even if we didn't know, even if we didn't know, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, about him betraying Luke and wiping out and killing all his, the students and everything else. He killed Han Solo for God's sake. That, that, that's alone going to make him without all the and all the other crappy things that he did. That alone was going to make him. I think in most people's eyes, that was going to make that character irredeemable because he killed Han Solo, and it was his father. Even if he just killed Han Solo when he wasn't his father, maybe it could be a little bit of an inroad there, but. Plus, he's not, in all honesty, Ky- I don't find Kylo to be that interesting. Really? Yeah, I don't. I don't. Always oh, mixed up, always oh, confused, always oh, torn. Eh. I mean, you get a. I mean, you know, I, I felt a little, a little bad for him when we find out, you know, why, you know, the actual events that led to the temple being destroyed, that we actually, and the fact that, and I actually like this part too, because in a way, it's so typical Luke. This is typical Luke. Now, Luke senses something bad in this guy, and Luke takes the shortcut instead of doing everything he can to, t- to take time to deprogram him. I'm going to go kill him because he's bad. That is typical yeah. Luke because Luke was always taking the shortcut, as Yoda pointed out. And yeah. Then, and, so, and th- something I do enjoy about Luke's character is that he's just never actually been good at this. No, yeah, that's true. I mean, he has some great abilities that he's learned over time. And we see some of that, you know, whether it's, you know, whether people are going to be happy with, you know, again, pulling, I'm, ta- I'm sure we'll talk about Leia too, pulling some force abilities out of you, you know what. But we could also give Luke a little bit of, cr- cut him some slack because 
maybe he learned some maybe some of that was stuff he learned in those Jedi texts. Uh, but yeah, I think I just I don't know. I just think that that was the only thing that made that made Ben's story somewhat sympathetic. The fact that it wasn't oh you know that he 100% he betrayed Luke out of the blue. It's that 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 Luke basically went to assassinate him, and even he couldn't, and even that he didn't do right. I was thinking about this today. <laughs> if you're a, you, you're this strong in the Force, this guy's sleeping. First of all, why the fuck? Pardon my language. Why the fuck would you even ignite your lightsaber until it was uh, pressed? Until it was already like pressed against this guy's head. It's not like it doesn't make a distinctive sound that might wake somebody out of sleep under normal circumstances. Why don't you just put the lightsaber against the guy's head if you're gonna ignite? If you're gonna, if you're planning on killing him and you want to ignite it without him reacting, or use Kylo's lightsaber and use the Force to bring it over to him and then ignite it. Why? Just, it's kind of like the stupidity of Mace Windu winding up for the kill against the Emperor, against Sidious in the uh, Revenge of the Sith. You don't need to do that. It's a lightsaber. You don't need that much force. You just need to flick the damn thing in the direction you're going, and it's going to accomplish the same thing. Also, so, can you even sneak up on somebody who has the Force? I don't know how that works. I guess you can, probably. Yeah, apparently you can if they're sleeping. And because uh, because that's how Plagueis died, though. Of course, in the Darth Plagueis novel, they it, it, they give you a different take. That pal- are you even read it yet? Uh, I haven't finished it yet. Oh, all Mark's, right. Mark's Mark speaking his crazy language again. All right. All right. Well, when you, Mark, when you, well, when well, you, Mark, Mark I, I know Mark is not going to give me spoilers because he, he, I think he's happy. At least I'm doing something other than just the movies. <laughs> Plagueis is a good book, though. It mostly should have been called Darth Sidious because it's more about Sidious. Towards three quarters of the book, I think, is about him. But when you get to that part with the with the Sidious and Plagueis, you know the the death you know the death part, you'll understand that the way Sidious describes it, to, well, technically Palpatine at the time describes it to Anakin, that it didn't quite go as the way that they described. It, there was a little more to it than that. It's not like the guy the guy was taking a deep snooze and he just got he got he got deep six. There was a little bit more to it than that. Speaking of Sidious, I did kind of like the fact that Luke actually referred to. Palpatine is Darth Sidious in this movie. I kind of, I kind of like the fact, which I, which was kind of hinted at, not specifically about that plot point, but they did mention that Ryan Johnson was going to acknowledge some stuff in the prequel. So I guess that was part of the that, I guess was that was part of where he went by actually mentioning Palpatine's Sith name, which of course we never heard during the uh, original trilogy. So, hmm. so I thought that was kind of I thought I thought that was kind of a. I thought that was kind of a nice touch. I'm glad we got to see Luke use his green saber. That yeah. was cool. I wish he still had it on him, but now we know at least why he didn't have it on him, because he lost it when the temple was destroyed and everything else. So I thought that was cool. I do – I liked Yoda. Not only did I like the way Yoda's role in this, I did like the way how you first see Yoda with Luke in the Luke in the background about to torch the force tree, and then you just kind of see the, the back the, the back of Yoda's head in the in, in the foreground. I kind of think that was really cool. And it's also hey, good. was was Yoda a puppet in any of yes. this? Yes, yes, because yes. the entire he, time, uh, really, he didn't look. Yep. He didn't quite look at it in the first when you first see him from nope. a distance. One hundred and ten percent, one hundred and ten percent puppet the entire way through. Wow, because when he first showed up and you saw him like straight on. I remember thinking in the theater, that looks terrible. Yeah, but I agree, I agree that, with you. It absolutely was a puppet when he was closer to Luke. There's no doubt about that because you could tell. You could tell it was a, it was a puppet. And I, even though you know, I would have liked – part of me would have liked it to be Obi-Wan coming up – coming to Luke. But based on – and maybe the, if they had decided to go this route, they would have written the scene differently. 
But the way it was written for Yoda was perfect. Because if anyone's going to give Luke a hard time, still being somewhat funny in the process, but give Luke a hard time, it would be Yoda because that's the nature of the relationship. Luke was o Yoda was always harder on Luke than Obi-Wan was. For, lo for logical reasons, because Ben was more attached to him, and Ben and, ben and Luke had more of a father-son relationship than Yoda and, Yoda and Luke had. But I did like the fact, I did like the way Yoda kind of admonished Luke, which again kind of is the sad part about Luke's legacy, too. The fact that he, admo that he admonished Luke to say that you didn't do what I told you to do. You didn't pass on what you have learned, but he wasn't necessarily referring to, oh, you didn't bring the Jedi back, that... He was specifically talking about the, you know, that the best teacher is failure, and that Luke was essentially, you know, just that was something Luke, that was Luke's stumbling point. He couldn't get beyond failure, and he couldn't get beyond realizing that everybody fails, and that's part of life and part of getting better. That and that's just one of the sad parts about Luke's story too, is that and that kind of I like this part when he's talking to Ray, that. And see, so you thought last week when we talked about Rocky Three that there was no reference, no relevance in that. But I think, see, it kind of ties into this that I kind of felt the Luke story kind of had a Rocky Three kind of twist or aspect of it. That Luke's prop, Luke had had to live up to this burden about being the legend, the myth of Luke Skywalker that basically all sprung from what he did on that second Death Star. And Luke had to try to live up to that, what everybody thought he was, how powerful everybody thought he was, how infallible everybody thought he was. And that was something that, and then Luke felt he, you know, Luke couldn't live up to that, but yet somehow Luke kind of thought that he should be living up to that, and that kind of helped cripple Luke too in his ability to move beyond his failure and maybe, you know, so I, I kind of thought that was part of the, the part of the tragedy of what, how we end up with Luke. Uh, so the third, the third installment should have ended with Luke going in front of the th the First Order and going. If I can change, yeah, that's you all can four, change. That would have been cool. Yeah. Everybody can change. <laughs> Dan, what were you going? What were you trying to say about uh, Yoda earlier? I don't remember, but now, now it's okay, Mark. I understand. Now I'm just, I'm just picturing now if they tried to put Obi Wan in that role though, and like, like even if they. Like, even if they made Alan Guinness, like, a full CG guy, like they did in, with Tarkin, like, even his CG construct would hate Star Wars too much to cooperate. <laughs> that was good. Um, you know what's funny, though, about... The, see, I, Ryan Johnson said that he knew somebody from Luke's past had to come and talk to him. Not necessarily, like, read him the riot act, but somebody had to come and talk to him. And based on the fact that, while well, he, you know, he really liked Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan, the reality is that Obi-Wan had no relationship with Luke and Mark Hamill. So since you couldn't use the CGI, you know, you couldn't use Alec Guinness, you pretty much Yoda was the most. And again, based on the way the scene was written, though, like I, like I said, maybe they would have written it in a different way if they had decided to go with Obi-Wan. But as, during that interview, somebody did point this out. If, and I've always been a champion of this idea, the idea that, at least as a Jedi apparition, you could appear to people however you want to. It's certainly like once you master the skill. That well, if they had had a young, uh, like even, and it didn't have to be like, oh, a, like Revenge of the Sith looking Ewan McGregor. It could have been a slightly older Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan, kind of like what the one we'll probably see in the Obi-Wan standalone movie when that happens. If they had done that, it also would have opened the door to me to kind of explain the ending a little bit more where, where Luke was able to change his appearance, even though he wasn't a Jedi ghost then. But having that power with the Force that you can you can change your appearance to appear how you want to, it would have kind of could have given you a segue into that ex, that you know that aspect of the end. Which so I, see, you I, mean Anakin? 
No, I mean Luke at the end of you the said, movie. Oh, he changed his appearance. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When he's projecting himself drastically. And this, see, I didn't. Yeah. I had. And 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 to me, that was that that was something that was interesting. But it was so because they changed his appearance so dramatically. You, it was so telegraphed. That, it, that something was up right from the get-go with that. If they had not done such a dramatic change in his physical appearance, it would have made for a better reveal. Well, those a little alien nun ladies probably gave him a haircut. Yeah. They were probably gra- glad to get rid of him. But it wasn't just his haircut. It was the <laughs> fact that he, he looked younger, his beard was brown, his hair was brown, his outfit was a little different. And, the, and this is the part that bothered me. Of all... This just shows, again, Kylo in his tunnel. Actually, it says a lot about Kylo, that whole scene. If that, was, if that had been Vader seeing, like, Obi-Wan out there, Vader would have gone to face Obi-Wan alone. What's Kylo's reaction? <laughs> Train all your guns on him and kill him! <laughs> Which isn't inherently stupid, but it says a lot about the character. It was, then, it was also funny. It was funny. It was funny, especially when Luke kind of does, like, like getting the dust off his shoulder thing. Yeah, that. yeah. And when I saw that, like, so I haven't read... Or pl- I haven't read like any of the books or the comics or played any of the games or whatever. But like, as soon as I saw that moment happen, I'm like, all right, this feels like a thing you would see a Jedi do in like the exp- expanded universe. Yeah, would, yeah. Like, like this is I like that. I like. I felt like there was a f- several several moments throughout this movie where it's like they're kind of taking a nod to like the sort of stuff. Star Wars has done, but not in the movies, like Leia and right. her Force powers yeah. and stuff. Like this moment of Luke, like shrugging off an army's worth of cannon fire. I thought with that scene, they were I, for a moment before I, because the entire time I was thinking, okay, this is like a hologram or something like that. But part of me was like, okay, well, but if it's real, so, but if it's real, I was like, maybe they're trying to like call back to the Force Awakens moment when. Uh, when Kylo holds that blaster in midair, that blaster yeah. bolt in midair, and, but this is like Luke times ten, just like holding them all, almost Matrix style, and shooting them on back. Like, okay, what? <laughs> See, <laughs> you that, know, that was probably the f- from. I mean, obviously, the way Luke appeared to me, the way Luke appeared right there. Like I said, if they had toned down the appearance a little bit, made it closer to what we saw him look like on Octo, then maybe you would have believed it was Luke. So I think that immediately makes you think it's not. But let's say for the sake of argument, he did look similar to what he did on Octo. The first clue that something was up was the fact that he wasn't deflecting any of those things. That would have been different. Yeah. He was just taking it. And then and then Kylo, I mean, there's, subtle, there's, there's some subtle things they try to do, like the fact that Luke's footprints aren't leaving any any impression on the ground on the soul. Yeah, that's my cool. my dad noticed that right away because he saw they they focus on Kylo's feet right. for a second and then they focus on Luke's and my dad leaned over and he's like fifty seven or whatever he's, he saw the original trilogy I was seeing and he leaned over and he goes the 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 the, the, the salt didn't move and they even hinted at that before when they had the first guy go out of like the hot like trench and he's walking on the salt that's the first time you see the footprints in the salt so you realize. But the, the yeah. thing that should have made Kylo figure it out more than anything, not just because Luke should look older than the last time he saw him, what friggin' lightsaber is Luke using? He's using his old one, Anakin's. And he and Kylo knows that thing was destroyed because he just destroyed it with Rey. How could Luke be using that lightsaber? That just shows you how stupid Kylo Ren is. <laughs> I mean, would would he have no? I mean, maybe there's a whole You can thing. make a lightsaber of any color it's you want. It's the same lightsaber hilt. 
It's not like he looked at the damn hills uh, from... And, like, and Mark, Mark, Mark. No, Mark, I'm not buying that because Kylo is... Mark, when you're holding a lightsaber, like, everything that's not glowing is covered by your hands. Yeah, <laughs> Kylo has a... If you go back to Force Awakens, Kylo has a strong attachment to that lightsaber. He knows what it looks like. We know they yes. were even fighting over it in this movie. So yeah, and in, the, in, in both those instances, he could see all of it. I think, I don't know. I think you, you could possibly try to explain that, but when you but all the piece all the pieces are there. You you also have to remember, he's Unbalanced. very very <laughs> angry, and I'm told that that's not a good thing for. Force I people. like that. I like that. By the way, now don't get me wrong. He's still I I still think of him as like a little petulant child. However, this movie made him more just <laughs> unhinged rage as opposed to. You know, throwing a temper tantrum. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got this. This this was more just flat out rage. Yeah, I'll say it right now. I like Kylo Ren. I think he's a good character. I think he's a really good villain. I th- like honestly. I think he's more threatening than Darth Vader. With Vader, he was dangerous because he was always so in control. You always knew that he like he had it all. Like he was he was the ultimate. Like I got this kind of kind of bad guy with kylo ren like he's he like he started out trying to be one of the good guys until his teacher betrayed him and tried to murder him which was somewhat of a misunderstanding on both their parts but still and then he just like he rebelled he became obsessed with his grandfather's war crimes basically and just ran as far away from the person that tried to kill him as he could, turning him into like this, this, this unrestrained force trying to achieve a goal that he has no fucking clue. I'm sorry, how to achieve. So he's willing to do absolutely anything to do it. And that alone makes him terrifying because he has in his eyes he has everything to gain and nothing to lose and anything and everyone is expendable as long as going through it can get him to where he believes he should go and even even then he does i'm sorry to interrupt but one thing one thing to add to that he has no plan yeah no he's flying by the seat of his pants here yeah like because you if you think about all of that and okay now he's you know, quote unquote, supreme leader now, and he's in charge of all of this whole thing. What is his plan after the resistance is dead? If he accomplishes everything he wants, what is he going to do? Do you see Kylo leading anybody? <laughs> I don't. I don't care. I mean, he, he could be in power, but I feel yeah. I, I, I feel like he'd get bored. He's like, he's what in is pa- his plan. He's in power. Because there's no one else that can oppose him. And, like, like he is running... His focus is running as fast as he can, regardless of the fact that he doesn't know where he's going or how to get there. And he was just... Hand, essentially, he not handed, but he took for himself a tremendous amount of power and influence that he did not have at the beginning of this movie. And, like... Right. Now we don't have to worry about, oh, what's this unhinged guy with force powers and a lightsaber going to do? We have to worry about what's this guy that has force powers, a lightsaber, 
and complete dominance over the largest military force in the the galaxy going to do because he is operating on a hair trigger at any mo that could go off at any moment and who knows what'll be in his crosshairs like this is th- like Kylo Ren and, like and the best part about him is the fact that they give us all this without making him a clear-cut bad guy yeah, like I don't know you understand you mark you are he's a bad guy he's a bad guy he's a bad guy he's a bad guy like mark i know you love sinestro sinestro is a bad guy he is one of the worst villains in the dc universe that said he's also in a very very interesting character he's a great presence every time he's on the page because they can write this villain this antagonist as just an interesting words as an interesting foil an interesting foil an interesting part of a story like some of my favorite bits of this of this movie was the the uh, the mind conversations between kylo and ray and those are things that neither of them could have said to anyone else in this cast like they they gave us someone who isn't just evil, isn't just dangerous. They gave us someone who's complicated, and that's what makes him work. That's what makes him fertile ground to mine in all these movies. I know Sinestro. Kylo Ren is no <laughs> Sinestro. <laughs> Ky- Kylo Ren, I, I, I'm not going to say there's no. He's not complicated, but I don't find. I don't think he's that. I don't find him that interesting. And he's, and while Luke was, re- Luke, let's be clear, Luke was responsible for that final push to the dark side. But it's not like, it's not like, oh, oh, Kylo's this sweet little guy, and Anakin just, I mean, and Luke just screwed it all up. And the whole point was Kylo was drifting darker and darker and darker, and Luke kind of saw what was happening, and, and Luke that probably made the wrong, wrong approach, took the wrong approach, made the wrong choice, but that was Luke's way of dealing with it. So, but but Kylo oh, yeah, wasn't no. innocent. Kylo was not. Oh like, no, I'm I make I'm not trying to say he was, but he probably wouldn't have ended up here. Yes, I agree if, with that. Yeah, that's why I say like yeah. like the that Luke confrontation. Forced his, Luke forced his hand. No pun intended. Yeah, that confrontation <laughs> at that they both remember a little kind of differently is is a South Park episode. Everybody was a little bit wrong. <laughs> Well, Luke really does remember it accurately. He just didn't tell the first version <laughs> to, to write yeah. it that way. But, and I do like that when it comes to that, I do like the fact that when you really look at the Obi-Wan-Anakin relationship versus the Luke-Ben relationship, that there absolutely is a direct, I mean, I've always thought, Obi-Wan, if he failed Anakin at all, was just because he didn't necessarily pick up on everything that was going on inside Anakin and giving him the support and or guidance in the maybe that could have maybe helped stave off something. But really, the ultimate source of Anakin's downfall was himself and his own obsession with his wife and not being and trying, needing to change this and being in control. So I don't, I really don't think Obi-Wan truly failed Anakin. But ben, but Luke absolutely failed Ben Solo because he. He saw things going south, and his approach was to try to kill him first, as opposed to trying to bring him back. Kind of like yeah. Kind of like if Obi Wan went to just if Obi Wan didn't have wouldn't have had any made any attempt to try to bring Anakin back. He just was. He just had every. He just knew that if he couldn't bring Anakin back, he was too dangerous to let to let live. 
but he would have preferred to bring Anakin back. And and mm. Luke just jumped the gun and said, well, this guy's already too far gone as far as I'm concerned, so I'm going to kill him in his sleep. <laughs> so in a way, it is typical, like we said, it's typical of Luke, and it certainly makes more sense why, out of fear and out of self-preservation, Kylo did did what he did. And one of the other shortcomings, I think, is that we know he, stole, he took some of Luke's students, which we assume became the other Knights of Ren, but we never got. We, but that was about the closest you or any reference point to the Knights of Ren that yeah. happened in this movie. Uh, I mean, they brought them up in both movies now, so I have to think that they'll be coming up later. Yeah, you'd like to think so, but then again, there's a lot of things I mean, you would like to like to get an explanation of that we didn't. So, I mean, Mark, I, I know trilogies and whatnot, but I'm under no illusion that. After three movies, they're gonna stop. Like we're going oh, to be getting gonna a stop, we're they're... gonna be getting a new Star Wars movie every year for the next infinity. Like, like maybe it'll be trilogy after trilogy after trilogy with like random stuff from the past dotted in. But like, like the biggest mistake they could make is to tie up all the loose ends here. Like introduce the Knights of Ren as a concept, even just a throwaway line here and there to remind us that concept exists, and then like three movies from now that you bring them in in a big way and have a story about somebody like being hunted by them or something. No, I'm not against that. It's just that if you don't have any kind of satisfactory resolution, the problem is what we're getting next, you know, there's going to be some standalone movies, Ryan Johnson trilogy, which there's no indication that that's going to be actual number numbered episodes because it's always, it's already going to be about stuff we have characters and things we haven't seen before a lot of people have speculated it's going to be like about that kid we saw at the end of the movie and things like that so but there's no there's no guarantee that we're going to have proper episode numbers for this trilogy which then means if that's not what comes next you could if you don't have any kind of resolution after nine that could be hanging out there for quite some time i don't necessarily think that's the right way to go either that would be like that would be like not resolving things in Return of the Jedi, and then let's wait 10 or 15 years and come back to it, and just let people keep hanging out there. I don't know. I, I think... It, I know what you're saying, but I think if you go against if you go against expectation too much, at least in what people expect in a, in, a, in a trilogy, if you go against convention too much, you're just opening the door for a lot for pushback. And because of the way reaction has been to this movie... You're already going to be going in, I think, with a lot of cynical people and a lot of disappointed or disillusioned people going into episode nine. So if yeah, they try people to- who people who are already disappointed in Force Awakens for 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 being too similar to what they've seen before. Like like, do you want? <laughs> they give you one movie where it's too close to what you've seen right. before, and then they give you another movie where it's like, oh no, it's not similar enough to what I've seen before. Like. But, uh, it's, but like, if you're going to continue Star Wars as a franchise, at some point you just have to do new shit, and that's going to mean ignore not not ignoring, but moving beyond the stuff that's familiar, the stuff that is is expected of a Star Wars movie. Because at a certain point, what is a Star Wars movie? What makes a Star Wars movie has to change. No, I, I do. I do, I do agree with that. I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily think it could be true. I don't necessarily think the majority of the people who have an issue with this movie, the like 44 percent approximately who do, of the fan, of the you know of the audience, I don't necessarily know if that's the same percentage, same or exclusively the same percentage of people that said, oh, it's too much of a copycat, 
of uh, New Hope, Force Awakens was, and I didn't. because even it, because I liked Force Awakens, I did think it was too similar to, or it didn't have to be as similar. It shouldn't have been as it was, but I didn't dislike the movie, and I or it didn't make me not like the movie because it was too close to New Hope. So I, at least for me, I know I dislike Last Jedi. I'm definitely in the negative camp on this movie, but I was not, I was not in a negative camp about Force Awakens for this, you know. So I'm not sure if the same. If it's just the same pool, the same disgruntled minority that's just that's, you know, that's just flip, just changing their argument from movie to movie. That could very well be a a crossover to a certain percentage. I'm I'm sure there is, but I don't think it's an exclusive uh, club. That just I think people, and yes, there's a certain as we know, there's a certain percentage of people in any and just in life. This is the way the world works these days. That you're never going to make happy no matter what. They're going to complain about something, but. I think there are legitimate criticisms of this movie, and I think that I do, I think I don't, I just I it just it just really and it also makes me wonder what Kath like and this is one let me talk about this now since I've, since we kind of talked about criticism it just seems like I'm this is my lot in life whenever we do these episodes to somehow talk about studios and not blame studios for everything. Not because not because I champion studios, but because I'm I try to be fair and objective. And I read a lot of the criticisms about this movie, and they and not all of them, but there's a certain percentage of people who say they don't like this movie, and then throw in, and these are, and some of these are the people Dan talked about who didn't like Force Awakens either, but not everybody. But sometimes, but they go, oh this, oh we knew Disney was going to ruin Star Wars, and they kind of blaming it on the studio as in the the top, you know, the top, you know, the, the parent company. Cat. Lucasfilm has a lot of independence. Kathleen Kennedy has a lot of power. Just like to a certain, to a large extent, Marvel Studios on what under Feige has a lot of power. They're not puppets on a string. Kathleen Kennedy has approved the direction of Force Awakens and of this movie. If you're going to apply criticism beyond Ryan Johnson, the first person you got to lay the credit the, the blame is for Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy because they they decided to go down this route. And including, mind you, in the criticism is. Part of what made this movie really difficult was because they they did something they probably should not have done, and this was all because they wanted to pick up on that Ray Luke scene, the decision to set this movie immediately after Force Awakens. That tied your hands so much, as Chad mentioned, about the, 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 like the slowest high-speed chase in history in space. <laughs> it was like an episode of Battlestar Galactica, really, about the small little ragtag fleet being chased by this bigger fleet running out of fuel. Like, what are they going to do? It's like it tied their hands from a narrative perspective so much because oh we had to pick up why so Luke could talk to Ray for like 15 minutes they could they didn't I mean just 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 so you could be cute and have Luke toss his saber over his shoulder you know it's I don't know I just it's but but besides Ryan Johnson Kathleen Kennedy is the one if you're gonna blame somebody don't friggin blame Disney for this this is not Disney's fault this is this is Lucasfilm's fault for, for this for this for this direction. I mean, it's so, it's, I mean, it's just, I just, I mean, I just don't, so, because it's funny, it's like this movie, by all accounts, Ryan, this is the movie Ryan Johnson wanted to make, the studio, you know, Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy didn't get in the way, the critics love this movie, it comes out, makes a crap ton of money, the fans don't all love this movie, but yet somehow it's, it's still the studio's fault. Makes no friggin' sense. It's not. It's like you can't win. It's like it's just the end thing. You got to blame the studio when anything doesn't work right. It's always the studio's fault. This seems to be a quintessential example of a director, for better or for worse, 
pretty much having full autonomy as much as possible, as much as anybody has full autonomy in making a movie. He had a friggin' two-hour and almost 40-minute cut <coughs> of a Star Wars movie, the longest Star Wars movie by far, and yet somehow it's still Disney's fault of the movie. Oh, they, you know, I don't know. It's just well, the 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 studio involvement in a movie is one of those things where. When they do it right, when they do a great job, no one ever it. knows. Yeah. But when they do it wrong, everyone sees Green Lantern. <laughs> well, yeah, kind of. But it's like you know, it's like it's like Rogue One. It's like uh, everybody was up in arms about about oh my god, they're doing all the reshoots, which almost every movie does, and that the mm. studio and the studio has input on the final cut of the movie, which happens on almost every single movie ever made. And then the movie turns out okay, and oh, it's all Gareth Edwards. It's all Gareth Edwards. It has nothing to do. So, you know, so the, so any influence the studio had in getting you from point A to B is forgotten, and they get no credit. It's all the director, and it's all the, it's all the writer. But when any little thing goes wrong, everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon these days. That's oh, it's it's the studio because either they interfered too much, or maybe in this case they didn't interfere enough to stop this train wreck. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's just I've... it's just. It's, and people just have to be a little more objective and fair when they look at this. Yes, studios do screw movies up sometimes, and sometimes they don't understand the properties that they have. To be fair, I think there's a little bit less of that with the bigger properties because I think they put people in charge of these things that at least understand what's going on or the advisors at least are not just looking, oh, this costs a lot of money. we got to rein it in like the old days. I think there's a little bit more – they understand. Doesn't mean they don't still have a bomb. But every single time something doesn't work out on one level, it's just not always the studio's fault. Sometimes the studio does the best they have with what they have. And of all things, people, some people just for whatever reason just hate Disney, just like the people that were going on about Disney acquiring the, the properties from Fox. <laughs> oh, this is so horrible. They're Monopoly, which is newsflash. They're nothing close to a Monopoly. Look up the definition of what a Monopoly is, and you know, and, and they're nowhere close to, to, to meeting that definition. And they're just gaining back properties they would have already owned if Marvel hadn't been dealing with bankruptcy issues to begin with in the late 90s into the 2000s. So, I mean, it's like, oh, they're going to ruin Deadpool, which is one friggin' movie. And we've had one good Deadpool movie, and all of a sudden Deadpool is like carrying the flag of why Disney shouldn't own these things. But it's not always the studio's fault. And if this movie, you don't like this movie, blame friggin' Kathleen Kennedy before you blame Disney, because it's her. It'd be her. She's the one who's been steering Lucasfilm, and part of the reason she got that job, which I'm sure on some level Lucas might not entirely be happy with the direction where she's taken this. I don't think he really thought she was going to throw his ideas completely out the window for seven, eight, nine. Uh, but who cares what Lucas thinks? I my God, I'm sorry to cut you off, Mark, but like, like Disney by no means ruined Star Wars. I agree. You know, yeah, there's no like, way. like, like, like me personally, my own little tangent here. Like, I growing up, I saw the original trilogy a couple times, and I liked it, but I never understood what the big deal was. I never got why everyone loved Star Wars as much as Star Wars is loved. And I really, I really wanted to. I wanted to understand it. That's why I went to the theater to see the first prequel and the second prequel and the third prequel. And every single time I walked out of the theater disappointed. Not because, like, of, like, like oh, they de they destroyed and ruined this or that. Or, like, it's... And it, they were just like poorly made movies that did not give me a sense of why I should hold 
Star Wars in any high regard. <clears throat> and so the, 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 the Force Awakens comes out. I go to the theater to see it. And is the first time in my life I have seen a Star Wars movie that gives me this 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 sensation of like excitement and fun and like hey here's some new characters that I actually like quite a bit here's some old characters that I ha- I know from a long time ago that I'm being reintroduced from and isn't it cool to pick up with them and like it was the first time. I'd ever been able to go to a theater and have just a tremendously positive experience enjoying a Star Wars movie. It's the reason it's it's the only Star Wars movie I've ever seen in theaters more than once. It's the only Star Wars movie I have ever owned in my life. Still is. Probably won't be forever. And it's the reason why I was so excited to see The Last Jedi and why I probably feeds into why I enjoyed this movie so much. And it's why I'm looking forward to seeing it again, probably next week. Like Disney didn't ruin star Wars. Disney changed the way that star Wars movies are made, which is going to ruffle a lot of feathers for a lot of different reasons. Cause I'm, I mean, there are plenty of people who grew up with the prequel movies and think that's what star Wars is, is supposed to be like, why can't we have George Lucas back? Yada, yada. There's plenty of people like you, Mark, and I'm not saying you specifically, but there's plenty of people who, who lived and breathed the original trilogy and all of his expanded universe stuff for decades who are not, who are looking at the new canon as like, oh, a rejection of the things that they love or a misuse of the things that they love. I'm looking at this as I have Star Wars now. I did not have Star Wars before. I've never felt like I was a Star Wars fan despite liking the things that it's influenced and it's, it's impact on pop culture and, and, like, despite the flaws that both these mo- new movies have, I have a hard time seeing them as anything but a net positive. Because for me and people like me, we got our, our entry point, finally. We have our way in. And maybe, maybe like, a few years down the line, I'll be where you've been for so long. No, I, I, I do. I, I, I completely understand. I think it is. Gener- I think it is generational. I think it is. Un- it is under. It is understandable uh, that, and it's good. I'm happy that you know you, this is that. So for for you, like this trilogy is what Star Wars seemingly really means to you. That this is the one that connects to you. And I think there's a lot of that with different. You know, for all the hate the prequels get, which I don't really think is overall deserved. I think the prequels. Some people did grow up, and that was their first taste first taste of star wars obviously mine was the was the original trilogy because i was right in the perfect wheelhouse age-wise when the when, you know when the original one first first came out it's not i mean it's not being it's not like i'm i'm not that you're saying this but it's not like i just want to say it it's not like i'm being closed mind to i closed minded to ideas and new directions and things like that i think what bothers a lot of people about the, what we actually have gotten in these episodes is that it really has done 
it's it's it it took the ending. Forget about the expanded universe for a moment. Let's forget the expanded universe never existed. Done. Yes. Let's just say yeah. Let's say the story the there was that nothing was done with Star Wars for from Return of the Je- going from after Return of the Jedi until they decided to do this trilogy. Everybody in their mind's eye had an idea of where Luke, Han, and Leia were gonna were gonna end up and how things turned out for them. And yes, some of that is romanticized and unrealistic. We understand that. But they have really, when you're really be, be, be being direct, they really have shit on all three of their legacies, on where you thought they ended up. Like, none of them ended up being happy. None of them ended up with, you know, feeling pretty satisfied in their life. And I don't, and I think that, I think that's part of what pe- it rubs people the wrong way about some of this. I mean, I think they ruin, they ruin because of Kylo, you know, Han, I mean, Han and Leia's relationship kind of went into, went into the crapper. May not have been the only reason, but still. Uh, Leia is, ironically, in real life, she's the only one who's not around, but her character is going to be the last one standing of the original three, but, but we're not going to see her much in episode nine because she can't do any more scenes. Luke obviously tur- had a miserable future going forward. Like, he seemed to peak. <laughs> really, he, his life peaked when he got Vader off that Death Star. Uh, so that's pretty sad. He never brought back. He never brought back the Jedi Order, though. Of course, the stage is set for, you know, Ray to pretty much carry that on. And I want to talk about that in a second. But it's just kind of. It. I think that's just kind of sad because people. You want people to have a happy ending or a somewhat happy ending, and none of those characters got a happy ending. None of them did. I mean, and and I think that I think that's I think that's kind of crappy that they did that. And they're also under, I mean, and I don't, yeah, they can keep still keep using Chewie, though who knows, maybe they'll can kill off kill, kill off Chewie in 9, maybe, <laughs> but, but look, but, R, but R2-D2 should be, R2-D2 is a character that can, theoretically can go on forever, and they're doing nothing with him, and I like BB-8, he's cute, but BB-8 is another one, he, I know, I knew R2-D2, R2-D2 is a friend of mine, BB-8 is no R2-D2. R2-D2 now, has saved more people than everybody in the Star Wars universe combined. He should be doing more than sitting on a goddamn ship playing a hologram. Now I'm wondering how many Porgs it would take to equal one Chewbacca. I did like the Porgs. The Porgs I I love, were funny. They were when, funny and they looked at Chewie when he was about to eat one for dinner, so that was so funny. <laughs> When they got scared and then flew away, I'm like, oh my god, the rabbits are birds. I love this universe. <laughs> they they were they I I yeah, they, they, they were pretty adorable, like the, like they're making the nest and on, on the falcon and things like Just one eating the seat. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Either that or maybe they were make using that to make maybe that's what they were making the nest out of. But one thing I did like referring to one thing I liked about this relates to Ray and going forward in Yoda. It is so typical of Yoda to make that joke to Luke, but Luke had that momentary, like, this moment of clarity. It's like, shit, I'm going to, the texts are going to (laughs) burn. And he tries to go back in the tree to save them, and, and, you know, probably Yoda was the one who kind of conveniently made sure he couldn't get back in there. The fact that when Yoda was basically saying that, you know, there there isn't any wisdom or knowledge in there that, that, that Rey doesn't already, that Rey doesn't already possess, you know, paraphrasing, and it's just the fact that it's kind of like it's typical Yoda to make a play on words because he already knows Ray has taken the texts out of the tree. <laughs> yeah, the which t- I feel like I feel like that little blink and you miss it moment is kind of indicative of the larger things that we're talking about because like Luke is trying desperately to preserve the old way 
Yoda's telling him, look, it's okay. Everybody already knows about the old way. We don't have to care for it. We can just move forward. And the people moving forward are taking the old way with them anyway. Right. And it, and it, it's, it is – and I'm, and I'm actually I, – see, I didn't know that happened. That was a spoiler I did not know happened. That the, I thought the text – everything indicated that the text to me were, were going to be destroyed, which was also would have been a huge waste based on almost like a – almost like that MacGuffin, and then you just – it's useless. It gets, goes up in smoke. But I but when – I'm glad I actually caught that when, like, they were digging for bandages or whatever the hell they were doing on the Falcon after they had rescued everybody at the end, and you see – they pull open the drawer, and you see that she had taken the, taken the text. It's like, well, that makes sense. You know that that's something you could see Ray doing. So Ray has Ray, besides being obviously being able to, if Luke is gone for good in the real world, obviously Luke she can be visited by any Jedi ghost, the three of them that exist, and Luke is, and she still has the text herself to read. So she so she is, and I did like that. I did like the bookend line of Luke saying that like that, like. like Paraphrasing, you know, that's amazing. Everything you just said is absolutely wrong. That I yeah. Did, I did like the booking book ending of that at the end with that little dramatic line that you know I will not be the last Jedi. I did really like that. That was one of the few moments that really made me feel like this was a Star Wars movie because you realize that much like how we debated what the title was really going to mean that yes it, it did have dual meanings. Luke was the last Jedi for now, but he's not going to be the last Jedi going forward or in he's not permanently the last jedi he was the last jedi in this movie technically if you will ray is probably the the last pseudo jedi now but either way the jedi is are going to continue and the fact that i mean good when they they had luke say i'm not the last jedi or whatever it is and then like almost immediately cut to ray levitating a bunch of rocks it's that's why i'm like oh okay both of these movie titles have been about her the Force Awakens yes. was her awakening to their power. The Last Jedi is referring to the fact that with Luke dying, she's now the last Je- of the Jedi. Yeah, I so uh, which is kind of what I always figured this, the title really meant. I mean, we we know we know new short term it absolutely was ref- you know it was ref- it was referring to Luke on some capacity because he had been referenced as the Last Jedi multiple times, going back to when Yoda said it, going back to the the opening crawl of Force Awakens, things like that. So we knew that he, you know, technically speaking, he was the only, at the moment, the only Jedi. But I figured at some point, as we know, Jedi was plural. I could have meant him and Rey together. And the fact that, and and theoretically, you could say it did mean that, that that for part of this movie, even though he didn't teach her much, that when she was learning under him, technically they were both last. They were the last two Jedi, and then now she, it's back back to being her. And it also theoretically refers to the fact that we know that the Jedi spirits are still there, so those Jedi are so are always going to be there. They're not gone forever. Luke and Yoda and Obi Wan are still there because they you know became one with the Force. Yeah, along, with Luke's, whole... along with Luke's little line about you know no one is ever truly gone to Leia when he was referring to. Han to a little bit, but most, but mostly before to Ben being corrupted, but just in general, the concept that no one is ever truly gone. So, um, hi Chad. Hey. Uh, let's see. I I still think they. I really wish they'd find a way to use Maz Kanata a little bit more. Who the hell is that? What were you saying now? I like I liked her character. She just and we never did learn how the hell he she came in in possession of Luke's lightsaber to begin with. Oh, her. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, 
Lupita Nyong'o. <laughs> <laughs> that I yeah I still I kind of I kind of do wish we uh got a little maybe maybe you'd like to it makes it would make perfect sense for her to have a bigger role in the third one now I think it would kind of make sense for her to have a bigger role depending on where they go with it just because of her connections too that it might be valuable but I, th- I thought that was and I don't know I. What 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 so what we didn't really discuss this in spe- specifically. What do you what did you think about about Super Leia, about that scene? I thought well, <laughs> I thought like it kind it looked kind of goofy, but like I thought it was kind of cool that like they had always kind of implied she had force stuff going on more so in the new movies than before. I was just like I was shocked that they didn't kill her character. I thought like, oh, she's going. They're giving her this solemn moment in space, and that's gonna be it. And but then she lived. Then I'm like, oh, she's never coming out of this coma, and that's how they're gonna deal with it. Then she does. Then I'm like, oh, she's gonna, she's gonna be the one to pilot the ship while everyone gets away. Then she doesn't. And I'm like, what the, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, apparently Johnson wanted her to survive, and of course, in retrospect, they, 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 it might have been wiser to have do exactly what you said have her go out in the blaze of glory keep luke around till nine because now at least at least you could have used luke in full capacity without having to backtrack yeah. somehow and now you like i said that was that i mean that's not to be fair that's not entirely i mean obviously ryan johnson can't see the future so he wouldn't necessarily you couldn't really know that you know she was going to die i mean that's some just an unfortunate accident or tragedy you can't control yeah but it is from a. But obviously, it is extremely <laughs> problematic for Episode Nine going forward to where the the options that would have been on the table, narratively, I'm, that now are kind of they're kind of their hands are tied extremely because of it. I mean, I th- I think they could just do something like they could hand wave it away well enough with like you know oh she went off to to the outer rim to try and rally our forces or whatever she's she's going to establish a new rebel faction elsewhere and you know we just don't see her again kind of thing like i i i just i mean the fact that i god i thought she was going to die like four times in this movie and the fact that they didn't completely threw me off for my expectations for character deaths so like when when they when they turned around and said like they're like they gave you that moment of like oh my god are they gonna kill finn and then they don't kill finn and then Rose collapsed, and it's like, they just kill Rose. No, 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 they didn't just kill Rose. I did like and Rose. Rose I did like. Rose is great. And then when they when they had Kylo and Luke face off, I'm like, are, oh, they're definitely going to kill Luke here. And then when it turned out to be a hologram, I'm like, you sons of bitches, what are you doing? Are, is, is everybody safe in this movie? I don't understand life anymore. And then, but then they did kill Luke just in a different way. Like he overexerted himself or something. And, and it's like, oh God, <laughs> I liked it. I like it. I like that. I like being able to not see the thing coming. I like it when a film or any story is being made conscious of the expectations of the viewers going in like that's that's that that helps me get more out of a thing i enjoy it more when i can't predict it i was just happy to see leia use her force for once yeah i mean like actually because in the in because i read of the expanded universe stuff i've ever read i read the thrawn trilogy and now i'm reading darth plagius and in the thrawn trilogy you get the sense that luke has trained leia uh, you know, not 
100%, not to the level that he is, but she knows some stuff, and she can use the Force in some way, shape, or form. Because I, I was always anxious to see her use something yes. uh, phys- physically, uh, because she, you can see in the original trilogy, she has access to the Force. She calls out, Luke calls out for her, and she hears it. Uh, you know, she she can feel when she's, he, she felt when Han died. Like, she can feel things. She's definitely Force-sensitive. So I was just happy to see her do something. It would have been cool to see Carrie Fisher, you know, wrecks the shop with a freaking lightsaber, <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Um, I like the thing. Oh, go ahead. No, no. uh, But as for um, expectations and stuff in terms of how Luke died, I don't. I don't think he overexerted himself. I just think he figured it was time. The same, the same, the same way um, uh, 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 Obi Wan Kenobi did. Like because he was fighting Vader, but Vader didn't really kill him. He just disappeared. Well, Obi-Wan took one for the team. That's the difference. Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan took one for the team so everybody could get away, and plus, obviously, becoming one with the Force. He was, he technically could be a, bit, a greater help to Luke than be, actually being alive at this point. Everything he said to Vader was accurate, that he was going to become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Uh, I think Luke absolutely died because he overexerted himself. He was happy yeah. that he was gone because he's like he's got kind of said to Ray, I think, earlier in the movie, that he basically went came to Octo to die, essentially. He was... So he went out. He he kind of went out again. He took one. He did similarly. He took one for the team to allow them time to escape. But I do think I don't think he just chose to. But I do think it was the overexertion that yeah. that, that put that that put him over the edge. Now with with with, Le, with Leia, I think I think the only the the, the thing that. The thing that was kind of a problem with Leia not being able to be used in Nine is the fact that they clearly established, despite Kylo Ren being a jerk, <clears throat> he still couldn't attack his, the ship with, that his mother was on. Yeah. So if there was going to be any logical way to bring him back at all, Leia probably would have been the one to be able to do it, or at least Ray and Leia maybe combined. But, but and, and again, the fact, like, having him hesitate and not pull the trigger is is another example of how like how unsure of his path he is you know at like it's not point, yes because that was earlier yeah. in the movie but yeah yep. <laughs> like he he had convinced himself <clears throat> like part of the reason why he killed his father was because he had convinced himself that doing that would be like kind of his rite of passage into whatever he is meant to be and it wasn't so now he doesn't know what to think uh and i like to think that Leia saving herself was kind of one of those uh, those moments of of oh god I have to lift up this car to save this baby. Yes, it just sort of happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I I definitely can see that. You know what disappointed me a little bit though? At least they explain they give you an explanation for this, so it's not something that I think is a plot point problem. It's just disappointing that 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 Luke didn't know that Han had died, but we but we get an explanation because Luke had shut himself off from the Force. Yeah, yeah, but, but I, I, that's one of those things where you kind of would have figured that he would have been able to sense that he would have known the le- that Han had died. But I, but again, they do explain it, so I'm 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 okay with it. But that also made for a nice moment, just when you when he kind of just sees Chewie there in the Falcon, and then he realizes Han's not there, and something is rotten in Denmark because Han's not with Chewie. I thought it was also interesting too that for a minute. For a little bit, actually, I was kind of pissed at Luke because I was like, 
if anything should bring him back into the fold, it's it's his sister asking for his help. That this is for me. I was like, oh come on, man, you're not going to go back for Leia, like. But but then you get the whole explanation of what happened with Kylo and how responsible he feels. You realize he can't face Leia. Yeah, he was trying to keep yeah. from seeing her. Like, I and I do. I really like the detail of the dice from the Falcon. Yep. And how mm-hmm. like that, like that was basically him telling Leia he's not really there. Right, because he's, yeah. because the only person that he actually physically touches is Leia. Yeah, and she's holding dice made of a force projection, yep. and she's force sensitive, and that's like after the after Luke hands her that and goes away, that's when she's like, "All right, we out, we have to find a back door, everybody." Yeah, it, it it it's it's almost like a symbol, like he's saying this is a gamble, yeah. you know? Yeah, so that's that's kind of cool. And their way of mourning Han, obviously together. That yeah, brief, that yeah. brief that or the only. So I mean, even though it is kind of like really brief, which again is on, it is an it is another thing I think which for old school people for the original trilogy, one of the things that will still bother them is that it's not like Carrie Harrison and Mark any of those three were dead when they started making these movies, but yet you never got to see all three of them on screen together. And, yeah, and, and you barely got to see, and you barely got to see. You know Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher on screen together at all, but you know even the scene in this movie is just so so quick. And again, when do those dice fade away? After Kylo picks them up and like drops them, it's like yeah. this thing that represents his father disappears through his fingertips. Uh, can we shift gears for a second and Absolutely. talk about? Can we talk about uh, Finn and Rose? Sure. Because I, so this is one of the things I had a problem with in this movie. And not like an intensely passionate problem with, not a Mark level problem. <laughs> but like, I, you know, I was gonna make that comparison earlier. <laughs> For anybody who's ever heard me go on a rant about something Green Lantern continuity wise, <laughs> welcome to the show, Mark. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Mark, how you feel about Newsarama? <laughs> so, so I don't know what first, you're talking about. First, God, I lo- I really like Finn. I really like Rose so far. She made a good first impression. I like I really like seeing these guys together. And I like the concept of what their their plotline was, but I don't feel like they did it well. Like the whole idea of like let's sh- let's show how high society is in the Star Wars universe. Let's show how how um how like em- empirical sympathizers and like war profiteers and stuff live in the Star Wars universe. Let's see. Like this is something because I haven't read any of the additional stuff or whatever. This is something I've never seen before. I've always seen well the the bad guys are walking around their big their big empty spaceships and the good guys are living in a hole in the ground and life is terrible. So like the ability to like see something completely new to f- kind of flesh out this world that was cool, but it wasn't like like the stuff they did with it felt like it was just like a big goofy chase scene for no reason, and it felt like it felt kind of like wasting these two characters that I was really getting a kick out of hanging out with, you know? Like I don't know how you guys felt about that whole like casino planet part of this. It was vis- it was visually interesting, but I think once again, I think all of that was just again. 
I don't know if heavy-handed is the right term, but again, a lot of that is just again it's forced because of the you know the the again to, in my opinion the poor choice of having this set like five minutes after Force Awakens is like you need filler for so many of these characters. You need something else for them to do, just to justify the Luke the whole Luke and uh, Luke and Ray interaction and everybody's hop skip and Ray and everybody's just hop skipping through the universe at the same time these ships are putt putting along. But I did th- I I like the Rose and Finn interaction. I did. I did like the, you know, the. It did on some level seem like they were just trying to again make social statements about that, including with the, you know, with the, the treatment of the quote-unquote horses and things like that. Yeah. So, I, but it was okay. It was okay, but it, again, I think it's part of those things that again, it just for, based on it was necessary to give these characters something to do, <laughs> but I think it would the movie would have been better if they had a, if they had, I think the movie overall just would have been better. They would have had more of a. Those characters would have had more important things to do, and you would have seen it would have been felt more real or relevant and natural if they just said, "Now, oh, we have a couple hours to kill, literally, because we because we're running out of fuel, and we got to get this done." Yeah, and I did feel that. Oh, go go ahead, Chad. I thought I just that that scene was interesting. Uh, I I saw it more as a. uh, It doesn't matter if you're fighting if if you're a member of the resistance or if you're a member of the first order. The entire universe is on sides in one way, shape, or form, or both sides, as we find out. You know, it's yeah. supplying side. You know, now basically, some people just supply, or basically, if they don't pick a side. They just keep giving to both, and they know somebody's going to win eventually, so they're still going to come out on top. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there are no neutral parties in this conflict, essentially. So, that's that's the way I saw it. I'll be honest with you, I didn't like it. I didn't like that scene. It was too shiny, too new, too uh, too funny in places. Uh, what with that little dude or whatever? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the one the slot machine dude. Yeah, like that dude. Uh, I I did watch a couple of things today, some little like funny clips or whatever. Uh, you know, there was some dude that was doing a video of uh, himself talking to himself, but one of his selves was a Disney spokesperson. The other person was, I guess, Ryan Johnson. And who said something about? And then the, he's like, Disney's like, so what about Ray? Or so, so what about Finn? What's Finn doing? <laughs> oh, he goes to this place, and uh, him and this girl, they set, you know, they, they see a bunch of uh, uh, slave children up in these animals, and they set the animals free. Oh, cool! Did they set the slave children free? No, just the animals. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta start somewhere. Uh. <laughs> um. So I thought I just thought that was funny to bring up, but it—it's not that I didn't like that scene. It just seemed to take more time than it should have. Um, the same thing I would say is true with the, like I said, the long space chase. I mean, the it's I, uh, this is another thing I read online, you know. So, so or, or um, I think it might be one of the points that. Uh, Dave Williams made a post on Facebook, and I copied that over to Mark. But Speaking Dan, of you which, remember you Dave? Should, you should go back and double take a quick look at that soon to see if there's anything of relevance we haven't of interest we haven't gone over because. Well, he made he he made a point that I that I wanted to bring up just related to uh, to to this um, a little thing he says uh, something about. The, the the chase makes the chase makes no sense. Every ship has the exact same top speed. No first order ships can jump ahead. And he then says, 
Um, uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, arcing laser shots in space. Why did no other ships but the Dreadnought fire? <laughs> so, <laughs> you have, like, several Star Destroyers in both of those scenes, but only really one ship in each of those is ever shooting at anybody. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I, I mean, much sense. In, in the slow chase, it was like, okay, I get why they, you know, they can't jump the lights because of the tracking. But like, seriously, we know TIE fighters seem to be a little bit faster than X-Wings, at least according to The Force Awakens, because <laughs> Poe gets behind the wheel of one and he's like, damn, these things are fast, you know? So like, you know, he's yeah. not used to it. So there are various speeds and stuff. So I was like, all right, that, that it just, there's a lot of momentum uh, sort of issues, but I don't know if I ever really had any character issues uh, or anything. It threw me off at first, like you know, uh, Luke's uh, brevity, his disgruntledness, his his anger, his complete uninterest in Ray, so on and so forth. That bothered me at first, but the more I, f- I figured out, you know, either based on context clues or whatever or them outright saying it, the more I understood his position. Uh, so I honestly didn't have very many particular issues with it. I will say I agree with with Mark's little day six machina thing or whatever, with BB-8 being like <laughs> this ninja dude who could like, take down a bunch of guards well, he and was, suddenly can pilot a walker thing. Well, he, like, he, was, he shot all the coins. Yeah. That that dude put in him. Like that was funny though. That was funny. He was, he was projectile vomiting gold coins like throwing stars. That's how he took those guys out. Yeah. And and like the thing, like I loved the moment where because I figured it was the freaking the 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 lockpick guy that came that, back to hacker. save them. Yeah. Yeah. And and when like the the walker's head opens and it's BB-8. Everybody's like, yeah, BB-8. Finn has a look on his face, like, as if the sage like, how the hell did he get up there? Like, <laughs> you're a ball! How did you get up there? Yeah, because we haven't seen BB-8 fly yet, have we? No. God help us if we do. He probably... Well, see, th- this is this is the thing, too. When it comes to... I Like I said, I like, B- I like BB-8. It's just, it's just the fact that... The, we knew when they brought BB-8 into Force Awakens that basically he was going to be the next gen of R2. But they're trying way too hard to kind of like almost like replace R2 with him. And again, it's a freaking droid. You don't need to replace R2. There's room for both. There's enough freaking characters in the, in the Star Wars universe that one can have BB-8 with them and one can have R2 with them. But let's not you know put R2 in cold storage just to have BB-8 do shit that doesn't even make sense because, like you said, he's a freaking ball that rolls. Um, yeah. Let's kill C three PO though. I'm I'm kind of done with them. Yeah, oh. I I would not be because yeah, because he doesn't. He doesn't did really I just say kill? Role anymore. He really doesn't. Did I just say? Did I just say kill? Let's kill yeah. the droid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they are a character, I guess. Kind of like, yeah. Let's just kill him. God. But hey, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for R two to shine because these movies will never end. Don't worry. Kind of like that chase scene, which I will, I, I kind of, I'm forgiving of the chase scene because I think Poe's story wrapped up in a way that made me happy. Because again, subverting expectations, 
every other piece of media that ever does this story ends up being, you know, you know, the 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 impulsive hot shot knows the right thing to do and and the establishment just won't listen to him. So we got to show the people in charge what's what. How Jordan? <laughs> yeah, and it ends up being that no, actually Poe was completely wrong. And he was he was impulse he's too impulsive. He acts without thinking. He doesn't weigh the the cost versus risk. He he just it's like casualties casualties be damned. I'm gonna do what I think is right. I'm gonna go with my gut. And it turns out that if he had just listened to the people who were in charge, everything would have been fine. Like not fine because factors that were beyond anyone's control. But but he, also she just told him what the fuck was going on. <laughs> I know. And yeah, and maybe she should have. But at the same time. She has no obligation to do that. It's like, hey, I'm in charge. You, this is kind of a military operation right here. Go do what you're supposed to do. Let me do take care of the rest. And, it, like, she ended up being right. And he walked away from it realizing that the thing he needed to do was change. He needed to change the way that he approaches situations. And we saw a complete 180 on his tactics when they got into their awesome like land speeder thingies and were like trying to go for that that doorbuster cannon he for the first time was starting to exercise caution and try and make decisions that a leader should make yeah, he didn't just change for the sake of change. No, because changing for the sake of change <laughs> is the kind of change that you should change the, your course away from, because that change isn't the change for change change. Leia with you, because... Le, kidding aside. Because <laughs> Leia was obviously grooming Poe to take basically take basically take her place or take that kind of role. And yeah. she had to stop being... He just had to stop being just taking the Hal Jordan head, just jump into everything approach and be a little more... A little more John Stewart, a little less Hal Jordan. Yeah. Uh, on occasion, anyway. So, the same way, you know, that's why he was trying to prevent Poe, I mean, uh, Finn from doing his head-on attack. But, exactly. But like, I lo- like, I, I was expecting to see the same stupid story that we always see, and instead, they subvert that and let a character actually grow. Like, that's awesome. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think, I think that was. That was a plus. Speaking of characters that didn't grow and were pointless, let's talk about Phasma for like five seconds. <laughs> is she is she dead? She damn well better be yes. dead because that's going to be a hard way to that'd be hard to explain how she survived that one. <gasps> she's, she's absolutely but dead. But she's used. But let's be blunt. She's she's pretty useless and pretty pointless. If there's a character you're going to pick out in this new trilogy, and I have no problem with it because I because to me she reminded me so much of Boba Fett, and I think the same thing of Boba Fett. <laughs> Backstory has made Boba Fett this cool character. What we see on screen, Boba Fett was a little obviously he was still cooler than Phasma based on what he's done on screen. But he's I don't know. She's sh- she's shiny though. He's not shiny. He's not shiny, but it, but at least he you know at least he did a little bit of something. And he, he got eaten movie, and everything. And he hey he 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 outsmarted Han Solo. That's that's more than you think Phasma could probably do. <laughs> but yeah, that was I was I'm kind of glad they killed her off because I thought that was she was. She was useless in the first movie, and people thought, "Oh, she was so she was going to be so important." No, she just looked cool. And I guess I mean, she's she's wasted potential, you know, because yes. like she she is the perfect 
foil for Finn. You know, she's his, she's his old commanding officer. She is like the top rank. He's the washout. He's the traitor. She's like, like she should be the one who's personally invested in hunting him down and dragging him back. Maybe the third one will find out they saved Phasma's brain. <laughs> just, just her shiny helmet survived. Oh, God. Uh, Piss off everybody. Have put have her wheel up in that uh that black wheelchair thing from Star Trek. <laughs> Wearing Snoke's robe. I did think about you, but seeing Snoke's robe, Chad. Like, oh, he's just like Chad Bokeman. Uh, one thing I, I, I thought was interesting and I thought was kind of cool visually, especially visually was, I mean, it was pretty telegraphed, um, uh, for a, a while before you actually saw it. But when, uh, what's her name with the purple hair went light speed right at them. Yes. That was pretty freaking awesome visually. Yeah, and it, it was. was completely silent too. That's awesome. Yes. It, it was so good. So good. Yeah, like the, I, re- I really like that. The last half of this movie, or however long it is, is filled with just strikingly beautiful imagery. Like, once they get down to the planet, and you've got the salts covering, like, this, like, blood-red clay, and, like, not only is that an intense visual whenever you see the speeders fly across it, but, like, by the time the barrage against Luke is over... And it looks like the like the planet itself is caked in its own blood. It's like holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Visually, the movie. Is, no, no one can criticize visually how the movie looks. It's a beautiful. It's a beautifully shot movie. I don't think anybody could could take any shots, no pun intended, at uh, what it what it looks like on the screen. Did it, did anybody think the soundtrack was impressive at all? Does I didn't notice stand it very out much about the soundtrack. I mean, I I didn't notice it except for like I don't know, it's it to me it like kind of just blended in as like like your usual Star Wars soundtrack, you know? I didn't really like I noticed it when I was supposed to notice it in those little moments, but for the rest of it it was like yeah, sound like a Star Wars movie. Because I think, and that was one of my criticisms for Force Awakens. Because for the most part, I thought the Force Awakens soundtrack was a relatively, relatively muted or a really almost non, even maybe unnoticeable for a John Williams soundtrack. I thought it was a non-factor. Like, yeah, a non-factor. And I think this movie even more so because at least the last movie had that little that that, that octo thing when Ray was going up the steps to see Luke. That that, yeah. that was and that was like the highlight of the of the original pieces for Force Awakens. I and I'm going to see it again, so, uh, so I'll I'll try to pay attention a little bit more to the music. I think, but as so far, I think of certainly through two parts of each trilogy, I, w- I don't think there's a lot of doubt and in my mind that this is the the soundtracks for these movies are the least impressive compared to you go back to Star Wars and slash New Hope and Empire and even Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. That there's yeah. Like, there's like no. There's almost nothing memorable about from the first two soundtracks. And if there is, it's like one. Like I said, that one piece from October. But there's almost nothing memorable from the first two movie soundtracks. So that's really kind. And that's kind of surprising for, for us, you know, for John Williams. So yeah, there hasn't been anything especially iconic. Right. There was. I just remembered. There was one moment in this movie where the soundtrack really did jump out at me, and that is when they 
first get to the casino area and I could be wrong, but it sounded to me like the music was like a variation of the Cantina song. Yes, I think you were correct. I do remember hearing something. Some there was some that definitely had some beats of the Cantina music. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it felt like like oh, okay, this is kind of this is kind of like the upscale ritzy kind of kind of shady version of the Cantina. Yep. So it's like they're they have their like their altered version. They're, this is their cover of the Cantina music. Yeah, and I thought that worked. I thought that was it made sense that they would that they would do something like that. Yeah. Huh. Uh what other aspect are we missing of this before we close on out Let's here see. in a few? I'm checking my notes to see if there's anything of relevance conceptually that we didn't at least Oh I, I from a humorous perspective, I did like the caretaker nuns on Octo. And how much they yeah. hated, and how much they hated raids, and justifiably so to a certain extent. But it was funny. They're all like that. That guy's been living here for decades, and she shows up and just starts blowing up walls. Yeah, I thought that was that. It just and and when the and when 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 like the thing falls down and knocks 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 the card out that the nun is pu- yeah. pushing it and they just kind of look up at her and it's like oh she's she's not winning any hearts in Octo. That was yeah that was I I did like them they were they were kind of and I did like that whole scene about like how Luke, how Luke survives how Luke fishes and he gets the milk and all that stuff that was kind of a cool little kind yeah. of a cool a cool little cool if not disturbing. What the oh part. yeah, yeah, but um, but how do we how do or how about I just ask what even was the deal with Ray's little uh, trip to the center of the tree moment? You mean yeah. when she, when she falls down like oh wait do, I was thinking of the hole never mind uh, yeah well no no that's that's what I'm talking about I'm referencing when Luke went into the 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 tree on Dagobah. Versus her moment when she falls into this hole and sees that mirror. I'm I'm kind of equating those two moments to the same sort of thing for each character. Mm. So, so, what even was that? Well, I, I I mean, like, what what was that? I think I mean, if you wanted, I mean, it's probably a good correlation that basically they're both dealing with whatever the the primary issue is that's kind of like haunting them in their life i guess and for luke for luke it's his father it's an and it's and it's the and it's the parentage or relationship he doesn't quite understand that's with vader is it, you know when he confronts vader in the tree it's not there's a reason why obviously he sees his face in luke in, in vader's helmet not just because oh he's facing the dark side of himself it's just it's kind of it's really foreshadowing what luke's going to find out about it you know about his his legacy, his parentage, his, his lineage, but and with Ray, obviously her weakness, what's haunting her is, you know, his, her, her not knowing or not remembering enough about who her parents are, where she came from. That's, that was a really freaky scene with with all you know, seeing the like the 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 Ray times infinity, <laughs> or seemingly not true yeah. infinity, but the countless rays, the the old the uh, the old, the whole idea or the classic idea of like looking at the like looking in the mirror, yourself looking in the mirror, then looking in the mirror, and vice versa, and going on endlessly. So it was weird. And I, I mean, it was kind of weird how I kind of thought it was going to be Kylo who she was going to be looking at at the end before she kind of just ended up looking at herself again. Yeah. So that was kind of – I thought that was an interesting – and maybe, maybe that's something we'll get an explanation for a little bit more. 
And it was kind of fitting, too, because, like, it's when you get right down to it, she's not so much looking for her parents as she is trying to to find out who she is. Like, she's looking for herself. And her place and everything, yes. Yeah, and she ended up looking in a mirror. I was I, I was a little surprised. Like, I mean, Luke did give the line that, like, you know, the hole is there because, like, wherever there's a lot of light, there's also a lot of dark. So, like, it would make sense that that... It would make sense that freaking Uncle Lovecraft's Funtime murder hole is at the bottom <laughs> of this island. But, like, I was expecting that to be, like, like this is where Luke has been shoving his own darkness or something like that. Kind of like Luke's oblivion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they can put it in the sun, and nothing but good things can happen. <laughs> I thought it was kind of cool just the fact that that, that, um, that place was there on the same island where the the Jedi Order essentially was born. Yeah. I thought that was really telling about what, what you should know about the Force. Is that even the island in which <laughs> everything was created and began is <laughs> this this uh this uh there's it has its dark place. I love right the fact alongside that, it. No, you're absolutely right. I love the fact that the first time Ray meditates, Luke's like, holy shit, you went straight to the dark side. <laughs> and you didn't even try to stop. <laughs> Get out of my house! <laughs> which, you can, which, of course, based on everything we find out, makes perfect sense why that would freak Luke out even more. <laughs> yeah. But I do... See, the, the thing to me that points that... That certainly hints and gives Abrams... I mean, not that Abrams really needs an out, because Abrams can do whatever he wants now. For multiple reasons, not just because he started the trilogy, but because he gets to wrap it up. So he could take whatever Ryan Johnson left him and just say, eh, I'm not going to... I can... I'm acknowledging it, but I'm going to, quote-unquote, fix it. But the idea that you have... You have, um... And I've lost my friggin' train of thought. Embarrassing. Where do we go right before... What were we talking about Ray, right? Uh, the uh, ending of the trilogy, how everyone. No, that's what I started to say. But what were we talking about right before that? <laughs> uh... the, the dark hole. Oh no, 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 no! We were talking about uh, how Ray went straight to the dark oh. side. Yeah, yeah. And Luke was like, "Get the hell out of my house." Hey, it's still not helping me. Well, you think well, about that. I Let me know, tell you about this one. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll try to think of it. I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather hear what what Dan has to say while you think, rather I understand than hear your it, your, Chad. Your, I your, your your thinking sounds. Why <laughs> 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 you put in? You can put in the Jeopardy song in the meantime instead. That makes you happy. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. Uh, There's this one moment with with a. Uh, Luke and Ray. I almost forgot both their names for a second. <laughs> Where um, you know, it's the morning. Ray's training with her staff in front of that rock, and like she keeps like almost hitting it, but not almost hitting it, but not. And then she tries out with the lightsaber, and she's doing the same thing. And Luke's just stopping to watch her, and she gets kind of carried away and slices the rock in half, and that's when Luke kind of disappointedly stomps off. And, like, I love that moment because it's, like, he saw her lack of restraint and 
turned and was turned his back on her. Like that's good. No, but she should have acknowledged. But she should have been proud of because that's Luke in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, I I do remember where I was going. Where I was going with this now, it has to do with the fact when that the reason why I was going with the Abrams thing. That the point was Luke seemed puzzled enough to know to, about who she was. It's like basically like why are you able to sense this and why have you, that if he wants to go the route to, to as we kind of discussed before to to make it clear that race parents really aren't nobody. That there's plenty of there's room even in the Ryan Johnson material that they gave us for for him to build on that and say there's a reason you know there is a reason why you know it's not because Luke was picking up on that pretty quickly it's like like who are you <laughs> so I mean because obviously and since we do like I said we do know that that it was that that line in the trailer was referring to Ben Solo about you know the the other person being strong in the Force besides Ray that he that he sensed. There should be – I think there should still be at least a partial explanation for why she's so inherently powerful. But I did yeah. – I, I did li- – and, and a funny line, I did like the fact that when he asked where she was from and she was said she was from nowhere, and he goes, everybody's from somewhere. And he goes, I'm from Jakku. Okay, that is pretty much nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> I, I still feel bad. For, I still feel bad for, for Luke's legacy, though. I think, I think that Luke – I think Luke deserved a slightly better fate. Uh, even though, again, Ray could turn out to be Ray could turn out to be his one great student, and that's the, the who sets you know basically begins the what he was never really able to accomplish. He was able, you know, maybe he again pa- passing on what he learned. See, that's the problem. That was that was the one thing that bothered me about the Yoda line about that he had that he didn't do what what he was told to do, pass on what he had learned. Because that makes it harder to justify. Well, if he passed on just one thing that you know, if he had once just one student that he kind of gave a decent amount of knowledge to and set on the right path, that could be the one that that, that was Luke's destiny. That he really wasn't meant to be the one to bring back the Jedi Order, but he was the one to begin. Basically, he was you kind of almost paraphrasing Poe that he was the one to begin to, to be the spark that would light the fire that would eventually bring the Jedi back. And then with Yoda saying that line. With pretty much Luke's, you know, involvement with Ray pretty much done at that point, that it kind of was a little, it's kind of a little disappointing because he, because Ray had even less training than friggin' Luke did. At least Luke spent <laughs> a little bit of time on Dagobah, and again, even Luke, you could give a little bit of a pass to because we knew, we know how powerful Luke was in the Force and why he was that powerful. So well, Luke even, uh, not Luke, little Luke, Yoda. Oh, y- oh Yoda, Yoda, Yoda. <laughs> Whatever, green one. Did you just call? Did you just call Yoda little you, little you, Luke? Yeah. Yes. I, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how that correlation. We've been doing this for two hours. Now, <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like at the, be, at the beginning of all of this, Mark was like, "Well, I think we forget about 45 minutes." I knew we were gonna get over an hour out of this. I was just saying. You just never but, know. But unless I'm remembering it wrong. Uh, Yoda, I almost called him Luke again. Yoda had some line about how, like, you know, no dummy. I didn't say you had to tr- to pass on all of your your successes. You like basically like a line of like like let them learn from your failures too. Yeah, that's what he meant. But he said, but he repeated that Luke that line to Luke about that you didn't do what I told you to do. You didn't yeah. pass on what you have learned. That failure is the best teacher. 
And I think he kind of, I mean, well, his, I guess, his, I, I guess his, you're his, right. In a way, he probably did pass he that did. on to Ray. Because yes. what, what did Ray go there to do? She went there to hand him his lightsaber so that he could come and save the day. And he refused to do that at every turn, so she had to. <laughs> like it, That's what I was actually going to say is one of my favorite scenes in, in, in that movie is when she's telling him in the rain, I can save him, I can bring him back. And he's like, this is not going to go the way you think. And she she doesn't even ask him. She hands him the she she starts to hand him the lightsaber again, like she's offering him. Well, then you come with me, and he doesn't do it. So she says, "Okay, well, then, I mean, it's it's not there's no words exchanged in that moment. It's just like, okay, then if this is your last chance, take this yeah, and like, come with me. And if you don't, I have to do this. Yeah, like whatever Ray goes on to do for the rest of her life, basically." Is she's doing it because Luke didn't take this responsibility for her, and mm-hmm. because she's and because in a way you can make a case she is tr- she is trying to learn from Luke's failures because Luke was Luke was either incapable of trying to bring Kylo back in the beginning and try to kill him, <laughs> and also because Luke was unwilling to try to come back one more time to try to <laughs> basically give it one more shot. <laughs> So in a way, I guess, yes, I, guess, I think you could make the case that in a way, maybe that was one lesson, inadvertently though, inadvertently, yeah, I mean, that, Luke passed the... on to, that Luke did pass on to Rey. But then yeah, again, I mean, yeah, but Yoda does admonish him after that, so that makes you, that's the thing that makes, that gives me pause. Unless Yoda was just talking overall, looking back essentially at Luke's career and his life since Luke be, you know, became the only, the, the only Jedi, that maybe that's what Yoda was talking about, that overall throughout Luke's life and career, that up till now, he failed at that because he had never. Well, I think the greatest encapsulation of what Yoda was saying in that whole thing is the last thing he says. We are what they grow beyond. Yes. Yeah. And if it wasn't for Yoda dropping by to say hello, Luke wouldn't have projected himself to go help everybody. You know, the, and the fact that he did show up and did do what he did is like like we saw it like the end of the movie is the tale of Luke Skywalker versus this army and the resistance is growing because of this moment that will go- become legendary for generations, which like, is already legendary based on what we've seen in the last scenes. Yeah, like like. It's like you want Star Wars, Mark. Luke Skywalker died becoming a hope. Like he became a new hope for the galaxy in a very literal way. That is true. And you can't. And I guess from, if you're looking, if you're looking at the final act of Luke's life, as far as if that is going to represent his legacy, I guess yes, in a way. You know, being getting deep and being philosophical yes at that moment luke kind of did at least did live back up to the myth and the legend that, that people had of luke skywalker that he had kind of yeah. reestablished that, that that you know luke did you know in some way shape or form luke did come back when the when the galaxy needed him the most and again a lot, basically by his sacrifice a create you know open the door for ultimate victory so yeah i i do i do agree with that i'm i'm just looking at luke's life from the perspective of it, that it's, it obviously was a very, a pretty unhappy and unsatisfying life for him, even before the whole Ben Solo stuff. Just the fact that he was constantly living, having to live up to that reputation and what and people's expectations of him. 
So I do kind of yeah. I, so I kind so I I so I think it's more not because the universe is going to see him in a, in a in a negative light. Just we see him. We they we get to look behind the veil and we get to see how how unhappy his life kind of was and how in a way you know you would you would like to have thought Luke's life would have been a little bit better than that. Uh, well, the, my, my one dad, of the three characters' lives would have been better than that. Yeah, my my dad for the longest time <laughs> when he's when when the Ray left uh, uh, Luke on on uh, that planet <laughs> at, on the island, my dad was like, "Oh, he's gonna show up in that X wing." <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to be like, "Dad, do you think that X?" Like, we can't carry on a full conversation in this theater, but I wanted to turn around and be like. Dad, do you think this X-Wing that's been in the water for decades is just going to start flying again? I was so surprised, because we see a scene where Poe really wants to get in an X-Wing, but it blows up. And then they show us Luke has an X-Wing underwater, I'm like, okay, somebody's gonna, he's going to end up in that X-Wing at some point. <laughs> Check off X-Wing, you got to fire it. Yeah, that's a, that was that was a red herring there for us. It's like, uh, but, but actually, it probably should be fair, all kidding aside, that probably was just like an homage. To realize yeah. Luke and his X-wing, yeah. so it's so, and, and just the fact that it's good to know that you know after after all these years, Luke still has an X-wing, even though we, yeah, we really haven't. I seen, mean, we really haven't seen Luke flying an X-wing since what the beginning of uh, Return of the Jedi, right? Yeah. Since he went back yeah. to Dagobah, that's the last time we actually saw Luke flying an X-wing because once he got to Endor and everything, we never saw him in an X-wing again. But it is good to know. It is it is cool. That's that that's to be that's good fan service to be. To be absolutely mm. fair, that 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 was that was on the, just like the hologram, just like R two playing that hologram to try to tug at yeah. tug at Luke's heartstrings to get him back, and and Luke's response, you know, that was a cheap move. That was that was classic. <laughs> that was a cheap move, which it was, but yet it was typical R two that he would do that. <laughs> and Luke's reaction to being reunited with R two was cool. That even the hardened, yeah. even the hardened, bitter Luke. That the, the way the quickest way to melt him down is with R two, but which makes sense because R two was there at his lowest moment when he's watching the temple burn. I like I like it too because wasn't there a moment where like Luke's like there's no need to curse. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I love that idea that like R two's like where the fuck have you been at? <laughs> no, no, yeah, that's why he communicates in beats. He's swearing constantly. Right. They're just that's... the most obscene character in movie history. Everything he says is bleeped out. R two is actually voiced by James Earl Jones, and is his. This is exact Darth Vader voice, but they had to bleep him every word because he just won't stop swearing. Uh, Dennis Leary is R two D two. We got anything else before we close it on out? Uh, I guess the only thing out of curiosity is where would you put after the initial uh-huh. viewing? Where would you put it? Where would you rank Last Jedi? And put- God. <laughs> Doesn't, I mean, no one's gonna hold. No one's holding hold you to this. We're not gonna thought take this out of cold storage when, when Episode Nine comes out. But it's just it's just like it's a snapshot in time because because it's probably gonna change. Like Force Awakens has changed for me over the since it came out. So. so first would be Empire. Second would be A New Hope. Third would probably be Force Awakens. I'd probably put it at fourth or fifth. Dan, I mean. This is going to sound stupid, but it would probably have to be, like, two. Just because, like, all the all three prequels are fighting for the bottom slot. And I haven't seen the originals in so long, and I don't have a huge attachment to them. 
and I liked Force Awakens better than this. So, so, so Force Awakens, then Last Jedi, in some order on the top for you. Yeah, I mean, Force Awakens would be better than this, and then Last Jedi, and then the original trilogy in whatever order you like. All right, for me, it's still Empire. It's New Hope. Uh, my slight readjustment is I, I have Revenge of the Sith higher than Force Awakens now. I think I had them neck and neck. We could go either way with probably leaning towards Force Awakens when it first came out, but I don't think Force Awakens holds up as much. Uh, so I have Empire, New Hope, Sith, Force Awakens. I know I'm in a minority here. I actually like Attack of the Clones more than a lot of people. Uh, Return of the Jedi, The Last Jedi, and Phantom Man is still dead last. But I would be what honest about Rogue with you. One? What? Well, Rogue One's oh, yeah, not, Rogue One's not an official episode, so I wouldn't rank it. Oh, if come I, on. If I had to rank it, I would probably put... Actually, right now, since I've watched Rogue One a lot on Netflix, I would probably say I would put Rogue One as fourth after Sith, but ahead of Force Awakens if I was going to include Rogue yeah, One. Yeah, I'd put this on par with Rogue One for me, because a Rogue One would be... Like I said, I said fourth or fifth. That that I just I, I was my other one was Rogue One. So I don't know if I, I if Rogue One would be fourth and Last Jedi would be fifth or vice versa. Yeah, I guess Rogue One would be in like third or say I don't know. I need to see the originals again. Mark, yeah. you know things. At what like what would have to happen rights wise to release like an original theatrical cut of the original trilogy on disc or something. It just happened. What? When? Oh, what? No, 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 no. He, he, with he, a, with a, he means the with, or, the original uncut versions of of. No, I mean he said what would have to happen. It, oh it yes, you're, you're right. He means he means the, the, the purchase of everything from Fox. Theoretically, okay. yeah, theoretically, yes. I think I think they've already said after the the since the the announcement that this was a done deal, assuming approval. That, that that's not going to happen though. So we're probably ne- we're probably never going to see it. But why? I th- but I think I think every if there was anything. It's a license to print money if they yeah, did it. Yeah, I think so. It might happen, but I don't know. Maybe it's going to happen at, after Kathleen Kennedy isn't running the show. I mean, even though she might be able to be, she might be persuaded to. But you're right, it's a cash cow. But see, it's see, it's a limited cash cow because it's that would be more relevant. Though I don't care for me personally. It would be more relevant for people of my generation because who people want to see Star Wars the way it was even before the special editions. Once we get further and further out and, and the time goes by, people aren't going to remember seeing those versions and it's going to be less relevant to people other than the fact that it's history and film history. But yeah, I think Chad, Chad's right. Now, Chad's right. I think everything they needed, if there was anything holding them up before, they have it now. Just like... If this merger goes through, if they want to put the Fox fanfare in front of any in front of Star Wars movies again, like they've had for so long, uh-huh. they could do that. They could go back and put it in front of Force Awakens in this movie, you know, at some point if they want to do it too. So, I, I guess my final thought on Last Jedi is again, I didn't I didn't hate it, but I, by any stretch of the imagination, imagination, I did not hate it, but. It's taken like 18 years for a Star Wars movie to come out to disappoint me as much as Phantom Menace, but congratulations, Lucasfilm, you did it. Wow, <laughs> you did it. I guess, I guess if I had a final thought on this movie, it's the fact that uh, that moment where Ray hands Luke the lightsaber and he takes it from her and he tosses it over his shoulder and walks away, and she has a look on her face of like, what, what just happened? 
that's kind of the perfect encapsulation of this movie and people's reactions to it where things are happening you're getting you're getting to see things play out that you wondered about for a long time but depending on where you're coming from and what you expect and what star wars is to you you're going to have that what the hell just happened reaction to it and depending on your perspective that could be a really good thing or a terrible thing and i'm just kind of i'm just having fun seeing how the pieces shake out cool yeah what, what were you chad what final thoughts on the movie yeah give us I a just, hot take i just i mean i like i said i just think i think i, I think it's a good star wars movie does it necessarily mean good things for the Skywalker family or the people who love the original trilogy? I mean, I, I love the original trilogy, but still, um, no. But I, at the same time, I don't think it was a bad movie. I think it had some issues with pacing, but I liked what happened. Uh, and I will probably see it at least one or two more times. Uh, I am pretty positive my... Brother, as we record this, my brother-in-law and my sister are seeing it together tomorrow night. Um, I'm pretty sure he's probably not going to like it, and it'll probably be something we debate back and forth. But honestly, I'm probably not that invested in the debate. I probably just like arguing with him more than anything, uh, <laughs> watching his face go red. But <laughs> you know, I think that's. Uh, I, I think that it's 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 going to be debated. I think a lot of people. There's already people. Uh, like creating petitions and shit. Oh yeah. That this this yeah, please Disney don't make uh, consider this movie not official canon. I know. I saw, I, I saw that. That has to be the stupidest effing thing of all time. It's like the genie's <laughs> out of the box. You can't take it back. All you can do is like it's all you can do is you can kind of do a Jeffcon to it and, and try to erase and explain away some things you saw, but it happened. You can't say it didn't happen. I mean, I mean if, what a waste of time. It flat out asks them to please make episode eight over again and do it right this time. Yeah. So I mean, I I don't think it's all that. Uh, With Josh Trank being director. <laughs> I, I don't think it's all that bad the way people are reacting about it online. Do I see some of the points people are making? Certainly, but I don't think Star Wars or any franchise. Which I think is hilarious, coming from me <laughs> on a Green Lantern podcast where I rant about A, B, C, and D. But I don't think any franchise is beholden to do whatever the hell the fans want. You know, this isn't right. <laughs> it needs to be this way all the time. Yeah. This whole conversation gave me flashbacks to the being on the DC Comics message boards in the mid-90s when people were, let's say passionately conflicted about Hal versus Kyle. <laughs> Were they a little heated up? I mean, the temperature was rising. The temperature was rising there, yeah. <laughs> uh, so much updraft, you could fly a kite. I mean, I, I I feel weird saying what I just said, especially considering the amount of crap I give current writers and stuff on Green Lantern titles and stuff like that, but at the same time, it's just like as much as like well to bring it back to green lantern as much as we review these things and and uh critique them and give them flack for not doing this this or that we're still comic fans we still like the character we still like the franchise we may not like what they're doing 
but we don't sit there and like start <laughs> start online forums and <laughs> and pledges and be like, no, 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 no. For this long, Venditti has been writing this title, and it's not going away. Let's start a petition to get him kicked off the book. <laughs> like, we would never do that. <laughs> so, like, I, I don't know. I, I think this movie's out there. I like it. I don't have any huge problems with it. And I think, I think by and large, people are just going to this 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 fan reaction and this this they're they're blowing up about it is just going to fade away. Yeah. I don't think this. I don't think this movie is going to be another prequel in terms of, in terms of people reacting about it years and years and years later. I'm not sure about that one. I don't know about that one because I think it depends on episode nine now. And I think again, that's that's the pro- again that's kind of like bookending how this whole thing began. That's kind of that's the that's the problem with not having one person steering the ship for how this trilogy is going. It's like Ryan Johnson, in a way, is going to have such an influence on how this trilogy ends just because of what he did in the middle part. And it's I don't know. I mean, it's, I find I, I think it's going to be hard for a lot of people to be to have get an ending that's going to feel satisfying to them in this trilogy, not just because of who's been removed, but because of the intra, the the what they have invested in in the new characters. So I mean I like I mean I like Ray but I don't know but at least you, even though Luke wasn't my favorite original trilogy character you you understood why you know you spent a lot of time with Luke and you got to know Luke and you got to know what Luke's struggles and what his story was so you cared about the resolution to Luke's story even if let's say for the first two parts you thought Han was a better character I, I don't think this I don't think this part I don't think Last Jedi did that much for Rey's character. She didn't. I don't think she had a huge amount of character growth really in this movie. Um, she may have seen. You, she saw Kylo in a slightly different light that he wasn't, which makes sense because the whole point is that it's not just all pure, pure black and pure white. That there's there's the gray area that everybody's got, you know, everybody's got both, if you will. That nothing is completely black and white. But you know, I don't know. And she wasn't. In, I just I don't know I I think I don't this movie this movie has done some damage to the Star Wars brand. The question is if it's long term or short term, and I don't know if we know that yet. But it also kind of puts more pressure on Han Solo on the Solo movie not to suck. I think it adds well, a lot much a lot more pressure because of people being unhappy with this with the result of this movie. They know Ryan Johnson already has you know carte blanche to do his own trilogy. And nobody really, and there's a lot of negativity about the solo project to begin with, just because people didn't want to see it, not because they necessarily think it's going to absolutely suck. Guaranteed, they didn't want to see it. It's just it's an, it's an analytically it's very interesting because again, Star, Lucas Lucas and even with the prequels, it's you know people were not entirely happy with a lot of with you know with the prequels, but it kind of ended on a high note. And the prequels were, were they were bridging a gap on purpose to get you from point A to point B. This is like setting the stage for what's going to come after. That's why it's kind of hard. It's, I think that's why I think how it ends is pretty is pretty relevant because clearly they intend on making a whole crap ton of Star Wars movies, whether they're officially episode numbered trilogy chapters or there are separate trilogies which are not really official episodes. And solo movies, they just plan on going on for a long time. And this is kind of like, this is the first time in a long time, I think, 
that you've had a you had a major blow to from the, from the fan base's perspective. Certainly, overall, Force Awakens was greeted positively, even though even with the people who thought it might have been too much of a, a copycat, <clears throat> fan reaction overall was still overwhelmingly positive. That's not the case for this movie, and so that's why I think Episode Nine. I think Episode 9 will have a great deal to do with how people eventually regard Episode 8 and whether it becomes a bump in the road or whether it is something that people are going to remember. Um, yeah, fan bases are fickle, and the are. ones that are the closest to it are the ones that are going to be the hardest to to satisfy. And they're also the ones that are always going to show up regardless of what happens. But I, th- I think we can all agree, though, that what can fix this franchise unquestionably is a prolonged scene of Rey flying an X-Wing really fast and sitting behind her is her Force Ghost Dad. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> with, 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 a porg, with a porg hopping around, too. Like, uh, yeah, you're right. Before, Fan bases uh, are fickle, isn't there? There's, there, there's, there's, no, there's no doubt about that. So I guess, I guess we will... I guess we will see how how this all how this all pans out. <laughs> well, before we go, Dan, do you want to plug what you, whatever you got going on? All right, I got two YouTube channels going on. People, go there. I think some of you did already from last time, but keep doing it. Uh, Epic Ghost Punch is where me and my friend Rob play video games for people to watch who certainly are not Chad. Don't bring <laughs> Chad with you. Um, we just play a little of everything. We love games. We love sharing them with each other. We love sharing them with other people so yes epic ghost punch on youtube and my other channel is called life fiber it is an anime analytical kind of thought experiment kind of channel and i actually just passed one year of doing videos for that thing so i got i have a number of larger projects i've been working on that'll be seeing the live day soon and yeah i mean it's been going for a year so it would mean a lot to me if you guys would come by and check out any of my like they're mostly like five minutes long and just see what there is to see in a entertainment medium that you might not explore very deeply and i will tell you right now i'm working on a video that is trying to um, it's actually one of the harder ones to make where i'm trying to articulate why one of my favorite anime series is tailor-made for anyone who is a big Green Lantern fan. And I'll be telling you more about that once it's ready to air. Nice. Awesome. Well, thanks thanks so much for coming on, Dan. We appreciate it. Anytime. Awesome. Mark, you want to go ahead and close this out? Eh, not yet. <laughs> uh, LanternCast.com. That's the website. Uh, go check us out. LanternCast at gmail.com. The best way to reach us. We are on iTunes and Stitcher, so please leave us positive reviews on whichever format you listen to us on. We are on uh, Twitter and Facebook, hashtag GLCast to locate us on either of those. And last but not least, the voicemail, 708Lantern. So let us know what you think about this, about uh, The Last Jedi, and the fact and, and the fact that the next episode we will be back to Green Lantern stuff, so that should make some people happy who don't want to listen to Last Jedi talk. <laughs> Those are oh. the short. Those are all the shortest episodes. The Green Lantern ones. Those are the short ones. Oh, and uh, when this episode comes out, Monday is Christmas. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah.
All right, guys. Happy holidays, and we'll talk to you one more time before the new year. That's true. Bye, everybody. Good night. Bye.